What is up there, Bears fans? It is time for another episode of The Tailgate Show, and we are very, very excited tonight because we have a very special guest. It's the man, the myth, the legend, Greg Braggs Jr. What's up, Greg? What's up, boys? Appreciate you guys having me on. The Indiana levels are finally balanced out. Fuck y'all. It's time to get on Indiana night. Bears Twitter is back. Hanging, right. hanging, we got uh, we got Air Jar, we got B Diddy. You know how we do it. We're here. We're just gonna kick it around as we normally do and talk that good shit. Um, how's it going, boys? We feeling all right tonight? I think we st- we need to start with a little intro with our guest here. And um, okay, normally when we have somebody on, kind of want to hear their story, how they became a Bears fan. So, if you tell us, that'd be great. Oh yeah, man. I mean, shoot, I was pretty much born into this. I mean. When I was a kid growing up, my dad taught me to <laughs> love sports and put me in a Cubs jersey right when I was right when I came out the womb and Bears eighty I was born in uh two months before the Bears won the Super Bowl in eighty five. So, you know, it's basically in my blood, you know. I mean, it was at its peak existence when I came into this earth and the the 90s were kind of slow, so, like, I mean, as far as my Bears fandom, I wouldn't say it really reached its peak until they made the playoffs in 2001, was it, with Jim Miller and Mike Brown and those guys. I mean, I mean uh, Keith Tractor Trailer. The first game I ever went to was the last home game at the original Soldier Field, and that was the season they went to the playoffs and lost to the Eagles. And I got to go to a Jacksonville. My mom dropped me off. I got to go see the Jag- them beat the Jaguars. The last Dude, game I was at that game. I was yeah, at that my, game. My first fuck, first fucking Bears game ever, man. It was awesome. And a hey, tractor trailer gets this interception, runs it back like 75 yards, and they show it all time now, which is great because I'll never forget that moment. It For me, that was probably where it really started to take off because prior to that, I mean, the Bears in the 90s, I think – Everybody watched football, you know, just because it's religion, you know. I mean, if you're a sports fan, every Sunday you're watching football. But, you know, for the Bears, you know, they were good sometimes. So, I mean, Michael Jordan had my attention in the 90s. I mean, I was I was obsessed with Michael Jordan. Every, anything, I went to his camps. I, I, well, I would go outside and play basketball till midnight. My neighbors would have to tell me to go inside. I would be dribbling that ball so much. And, uh... So it was all basketball all day long, and, you know, I'd watch football as much as I could. Barry Sanders, Deion Sanders, some of my favorite players growing up, and it was hard as a Bears fan because our teams were never really that good. You know, you know, Curtis Conway and Jeff Graham were some of my favorite players, but, they, you know, these guys, you know, Curtis Enos, Rashawn Flom. 95 right there, 95 oh, team. Yeah, and just when you start to get hope for guys, Marcus Robinson, Curtis Enos, Rashawn Salam, none of them ever really worked out, you know, so it was like, you never really felt like you were supposed to win as a Bears fan. And then that 2001 team kind of changed everything because they just had, like, a, uh, you know, destiny. You know, Mike Brown, two pick sixes in a row. And Earl Locker, that was his uh, rookie year, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. And he hit – I'll never forget, they played the Colts. And they had a crossing route. And Brian Erlocker lays this dude out. And people were like, who? You know, because, I mean, nobody mm-hmm. really – we're locked into the Bears like they are now, even when they were bad. Like, they were really not locked in. It wasn't social media or anything back then. So, with this weird name guy, Brian Erlocker, I know he's a first-round pick, but he blasts this dude, and I was like, 
holy moly, they got something here with him and Mike Brown, and everything started to take off after that. And then, of course, 2006 comes around, and the Bears have now moved to Bourbonnais as their destination for training camp, which was much closer to my house. And 2005, the year prior to 2006, when they went to the Super Bowl, they really started to take off. And we went to we were going to training camp at that point, and that's when I really started falling in love was Devin Hester, Tommy Harris, Alex Brown, Rex Grossman, Thomas Jones, Bernard Berry, and I mean these guys. That was they were every. I wanted them to win so bad, you know, like when they didn't get it done. I thought they were going to win eventually, and just never, just never happened. You know, they tried so many different things, and they brought in Jay, the Messiah. That didn't work. You know, it almost worked, and I give them credit. The thing I don't like is they didn't get him out soon enough, but here we are now, all these years later, and it's the most exciting Bears team I've ever come across. 2006 was fun, but that was, you know, a team that we didn't really think we could beat the Colts. I don't care. Any Bears fan going to that game was not ex- like, like, oh, you know, Peyton Manning, that's tough, you know. I mean, some might have, but it was. Uh, I thought we had a good shot, but whenever know, Tank, actually, whenever we we were gonna have to start Tank Johnson, and then yeah. all that shit happened, it's like, oh god. Yeah, after that Hester, stuff. after that Hester return, though, you know what we're all feeling. Oh man. Like, yeah. oh, it's it's but it's gonna happen, and then we're just like, oh. You know, <laughs> and they stood up as I mean, they should have won that game. They should have. Yep. I mean, they had way too many fumbles on a kickoff. That when they were starting to short punt it, the Bears did not have a plan for when the Colts were stopped kicking to them. That was the first team to say, all right, we're done kicking to them. And it was in the Super Bowl. I mean, if you go back and look at any of those games, they weren't pooch punting like that. And it, it, it threw them off because they didn't have guys that were in the shorter areas where they were catching it ready. They had, the, what was it, Gabe Reed, I think, uh, was the tight end that caught it and fumbled it. And then Cedric Benson fumbles once. Ugh. It was terrible because that game was. Rex Grossman fumbles a thousand times. Man, and then the, the heavens open up and started pouring, man. Like it's gonna yeah, be tough. It's hard raining. Defense, you know? He throws a pick. We just had Hester house it. They didn't lose one game all year when he houses it. It was like, oh man, this is gonna happen. And then you know, they they get it to midfield down twenty-two to seventeen. Midfield just had a nice pass. I believe, and then they pass it again. Why? Run the ball, you know, and right. the, re- the rest is history. He throws a pick six, and ever since that moment, you know, we're kind of chasing that, you know, and they every year they kept trying to do something else. Like I said, they brought in Jay. You know, Orton looked like they kind of were going to get it rolling, then they brought in Jay, which I was totally cool with, and we had a couple of years where we kind of felt like we were going to get it done. And then it just seems like every ever since then, because we were trying to get that defense and that special teams a, a Super Bowl ring. They deserved it. The fact that Devin Hester and Brian Urlacher and and Charles Tillman and these guys didn't go away with a ring is it's just a shame. It's is it, for me to not have Devin Hester win a ring it was it was awful. I, I thought they were going to do it eventually. So now that this team's here, I got these same vibes. I want this team to win it so bad it hurts, and it's like. Mm-hmm. And it's early in early in this regiment, so it's exciting, fun times. That's not gonna change for a few years, and that's that's what's so much fun about this. You embrace this moment as a fan, and here we are. We waited four years of or three or four years of darkness with John Fox and Jay at the back end of his contract, and this is it. You know, I'm I couldn't be more excited as a Bears fan at this moment. This is more exciting there to is. me than 05 and 06, without question. There you know what's that? It's so funny that you bring up that Jacksonville game because that was the first Bears game I ever went to. 
And uh, that's probably like the moment that I really, really became a Bears fan because I was into them growing up in New Mexico. I became into them because of Erlacher. But then I ended up moving to Chicago and going to that game. And I just when tractor trailer got that intercepted that ball and then goes rumbling down the field. I mean, that place, I'm sure you remember, was just up for grabs. Oh, man, that's hilarious. People were tearing off their jackets and throwing them into the air like it was crazy. Yeah, and it's, uh, just, it's people funny yelling, that, "Give it up! Give it up!" That's yeah, people like, roll and like you know, like they they wanted him to score so bad. But it's funny because I've uh, somehow in my life I've only been to two Bears games live, and you've been at both of them. I just realized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wasn't, that shoot, is, that's, wasn't shooting video on my camera phone back then. Oh, no, that's. <laughs> I've got that's to ask. Funny you. though, I'm I'm just gonna ask you the question right now because training camp. The new rules came out. How do you feel? Uh, I, I've been talking about this for last year and the year prior, too. I mean, uh, I hadn't really ever put video on Twitter all that much until about three years ago. I, I've been putting video on Instagram for years, and me and my buddy used to have conversations back then. Like, oh, if somebody was really smart, they could find this stuff. And, then, you know, we always would discuss the competitive advantage I was giving away or if I wasn't and you know, Instagram was so private, wasn't really too much to worry about. But then, you know, a few years ago when I started doing it, Tanner Gentry, Terry Cohen, Mitch Trubisky's first year, I was in a lot of arguments with Waddle on Twitter. So or on, on the radio too. So I was like, oh, I'm going to put some stuff up because Glenn is Glennon is trash and I'm seeing this every day. And it was just baffling to me that the media wasn't covering it that way. That that should have been a Rex versus Orton camp all over again. Mitch deserved that job. The second day camp hit. Glennon was terrible. He was throwing like three picks a day. Like that's not somebody that just got paid to be a starter and all this crap. So I'm putting up video and Tanner and Tariq and Mitch, you know, getting some. I, I think a couple of them might have retweeted, you know, because they were no, they weren't getting as much fan love back then or whatever and. You know, it didn't take off until last year and on Twitter. And, yeah, it got me nervous. I'm a Bears fan. I don't want to give anything away. But then when freaking the players started retweeting it, and I got literally Josh Bellamy comes up to me and was like, man, we love your videos. And literally Eddie and Anthony Miller, Eddie Jackson, Anthony Miller standing right next to him, like give, giving me dab and freaking – that didn't make me want to do it less, you know. <laughs> I was like, okay, here we go. You know, I'm I'm gonna get all your great plays, boys. That's that's what you know I was saying, and yeah. it was fun. And but I was nervous all the time. I had some people coming into my DMs. I had a couple people comment, quit giving up plays, dumbass. I mean, for God's sakes, NFL Network featured a play on their sh- one of their shows, and it was the trick. The only play of the 900 I filmed was a trick play, and they put it on NFL Network. And, you know, lo and behold, that, that play is the play they ran against the Giants. And people might not realize it, but because it was different uh, players on the that they, well, they used, but it was exactly what they ran. And yeah. so it's like part of it kind of proves that showing that doesn't matter. And then another part of it kind of proves that there is something to find. If, if you're Bill Belichick and you want to be, you know, devious enough to find those things and – you know, something that stood out to me was when the Patriots won the Super Bowl and they against the Seahawks and that corner jumps the route and then they show the video of Belichick telling him that, hey, when they do this, you need to you need to stick that route. 
And they did it. They won the Super Bowl because that one play. And he's such a detailed coach. He was able to tell the right guy to what to look for in that moment. And I'm not a, I'm not at that level of thought process with football. To me, it's, I, you know, how do they know what's going to be ran when the pl- ball is high? How do they know where the ball is going? You know, and so it was a hard juggle. And you, like I said, you got the players retweeting it. So, you know, but it is something that was on my forefront. So, honestly, it, I don't want to say it was a relief when I saw that, but I didn't want to walk up to camp this year with the same questions I was going to camp with last year. Are they going to yell at me? Am I allowed to do this? Is Am I going to have Matt Nagy t- yelling at me? You know what I mean? Something like that. I mean, that would be my worst nightmare as a fan. I'm a fan. I don't want to ruin anything that this team's got going on. You know, and there's so many people that want to see it, and then they're very strict about hiding it. It was just like, whatever. They could have done it last year. They could have told people last year. It's their, they're having the practice. It's their property. It's free to come in. They have every right to tell people to put their phones away. If they don't like it, they can leave. It's free. If they had told me that last year, I would have stopped, but they didn't. You know, and you At got, the same time, they're they're open practices though, and, and the coaches know that they're not going to show. I don't think they're going to show too much. Well, they know everybody has phones. One hundred percent. I had a guy approach me last year. I won't say his name, but he's somebody that works for the Bears, and he's really friendly. He's just asking what I was doing. I was like, oh, I'm just doing it for fun, and I think that threw him for a loop because he wasn't expecting that. And I was just like, you know, uh, I go, you guys should be doing this, and he kind of thought that was funny. He's like, you think we should be filming all the practice? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, who cares? I was like, in twenty years, everybody's going to be doing it, but the Patriots. High schools do it. High schools film all practices. I kind of can't believe they don't film practice. I'm sure they do, but releasing it would probably be. Well, that. well that, they should definitely tell, I mean, I, I like do that. Do it. I know they do it inside, but they don't seem to have a setup like on the tower outside. I mean, no, they should do that for the open practices, though. Definitely broadcast them. You know, you know what I mean? that's what I told him. I go, you know, you're worried about my phone. You should be more worried about the 15,000 fans that are in here and treating each one of them as if they're a Packer spy. I was like, because if I can do this and put it on Twitter, then somebody else can do this and not share it and give it to the wrong people. If you're that worried about what you're showing out here, I was mm-hmm. like, you got 15,000 people out here. I was like, I was like, I hate to say it, but you got only a few options. But one of them was to just tell us to stop video and they can try that and see how far it goes. But the other two options are to either just let everybody do it, including the the real media, you know, the beat reporters that have been out there and they're restricted because they credentialed or, not let anyone in, which is absolutely what I don't want. So, well, know, yeah, just to just to fill everybody in, in case you don't know what we're talking about. Obviously, we're very familiar with Greg and everything, but if you don't know what we're talking about, Greg kind of became known to all of us because of his videos at training camp. He was the guy who was there filming it, started putting them up on Twitter as he talked about it, started getting retweeted by players. It blew up. Uh, it was great. It encouraged me to go down to camp. I'd never been to training camp, you know, um, and, and it was a great experience and it was really cool. Um, you know, and I think what the best part about you, Greg, is that you are doing it from a fan's perspective. You're not out there like, taking selfies with everybody and putting them up. I mean, you do sometimes take selfies with people and whatnot, but, but it's not like it's, it's done in like a very tasteful kind of tasteful and like cool, respectful way that, you know, there's, I, I mean, I would, I would be hard pressed to find a bears fan who was like pissed at what you were doing because it never seems like, even though you're getting an insider's look, it never seems like invasive in a way, and I think the best part about what you do is that you're good at it. You're good at filming it, and obviously you have an interest in in that, you know, in um, recording. That's because home, homeboy don't use an iPhone. 
Oh, he was the best, best look in the training camp I've ever had as a Bears fan. It was great, man. Right. I, like, I, I enjoyed and, it. And at the end of the day, also, too, it was it was part and parcel to a shift in the culture of the Bears where there was a lot more openness, a lot more interaction. And, and you know, you saw that with the social media, with the – you know, the, the way that George is, and George has kind of always been that way a little bit, but it's, it's, I mean, even you would have to agree, Greg, that it's like extra now, like George is even more out there, you know, amongst the people and, and he's not doing it for the cameras or anything like that, but you know, with the social media team and the PR team and the way that pace is, and then when Nagy came on, I mean, it's just, you know, it's a whole different organization. So Recently, um, I pointed out on our, you know, that I got the ticket and it clearly says where it did not say last year that uh, you cannot film. Um, and if you do film, it's just for personal use um, and that they encourage you to take still pictures only. Because here's the thing is, they, how could they tell if you're filming or not filming, right? Um, you know, at the end of the day. But, right. you know, I think uh, you had a, a buddy who was at the camp in Denver, right? And they they had some people that were pretty pretty Johnny on the spot. I mean, all it really takes is them shutting down a couple people. And, and most people don't want to leave, so they're going right. to shut it down. People are there for autographs. So right. when the first guy in the end, because they got people that are watching the crowd, so somebody doesn't, like, pull a gun out or run on the field. And so they're watching already, but they've never been told to stop telling people to videotape. Right. They, and they've got a guy that works in their communications department that kept, did come up to me, came up to the DeBears brothers. They were there pretty much every practice. They asked them before they even asked me what I was doing because they are – a more legitimate entity. I was just Greg, the idiot fan running around. And, you know, by the, by the second You're a week, popular <laughs> idiot. Fan, bro. <laughs> yeah, Everybody's like, That's fucking Greg Braggs Jr. I know that dude. Yeah. So they, <laughs> they, they got to my, my attention by the second week, but they were asking other people, but they just, if you're not credentialed, they can't really tell you not to, you know? And well, yeah. Uh, and I think, I think there was a little bit of attention too, because you've got you and all these people, not that many people, but you and a few other people posting all these videos, and then you got poor Patrick Finley, who's like drawing, who's like drawing cartoons, you know, as like a sarcastic joke. And I'm, I'm sure, sure that played that, a big part in it too, is their course, grievances. I'm sure a lot of you know the media are like, what the hell? Like you're letting every you know Tom, Dick, and Greg Braggs Jr. out here. Yep film and then we can't film we can't even put up a picture and then i think the other factor is the kicking situation which they've been very very you know close to the vest about and i don't think they want any more attention if that's possible to be on this uh and they, they don't want they're not going to want people putting up videos of you know, kickers uh, missing kickers a bunch missing. of kicks yeah. and the fans going crazy because mm-hmm. that was what i was waiting for i was like oh I was telling somebody, I was like, I'll oh, get ready. These freaking kicking videos are going to blow up, which are so stupid. Right. And, and, but it's going to be because the fans are going to be heckling, dude. I can't, it's going to be crazy to watch mm-hmm. because Rex yeah. versus Orton, there was hecklers every day at camp. It was like raucous every day. And this is going to be ten times worse, in my right. opinion, because a kicker is easier to pick on than your starting quarterback. And these guys are nobodies to these fans. And, when they come out, and that sucks as for us as a fan, fans of these teams because it's not going to help. That's why they just need to bring Robbie in the day before camp and let him be like this savior guy that walks in and all he is is the kicker. He can take 
all the pressure off the whole team. It's just to me, this circus is is going to build towards something I don't know if the Bears really understand is going to happen at camp this year. I truly don't. Well, I'm also hoping that, like, basically by them saying this, that no video that they're gonna they, they're a team that they've always liked, liked to own their content. So maybe they're finally going to start showing a little bit, and I'm going to call it the Braggs effect. Well, I, and I definitely think that's part <laughs> yeah. of it. I mean, Jen Talicki prides herself, you know, as someone that's really – she was there by herself five years ago as a social media staff, and now they have a whole crew of people. And I was telling her she should let me be the fan of this crew, but she, she was like, oh, nice, Greg, and patted me on the head and walked away. <laughs> but, she, yeah, that's another big part of it is they want to have control of this content and put it out the way they want to put it out. If I were to recommend anything to them, you know, is – you know, just as someone that's a fan that enjoys interaction, they should be a little more interactive with the fans. I mean, the only well, retweets you ever see from their account are from, uh, you know, people with check marks. And, you know, I, I just feel like, you know, being a Cub fan, watching Cubs Twitter kind of own the day, you know, for the last few years with, you know, how they put out stuff. You know, they're just a little better with involving all the fans, you know what I mean? But shout out to Jen. I mean, as you mentioned, it's her and her team have done an oh, amazing job. And it's, it's, I mean, it's yeah, been uh, – and they just won a bunch of awards uh, recently uh, for all their work, which is cool too. So shout out to, uh, to Jen's lucky team. It's sad that Cameron Good left because, man, he was, he was unbelievable with the videos. I mean, all this was a part mm-hmm. of the culture that changed, you know, their presentation with – how the stuff was put out is part of that. You know, it gets you hyped up for the day and you ain't some corny franchise. I mean, if you see some other franchises content they put out, it's not good. And the bears right. are, are, are right there with the San Diego chargers at the top of the list of, mm-hmm. you know, best content in sports. So, I mean, that's a big part of it for sure. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, you know, you're seeing that um, you've seen some teams. I mean, I saw the jets, we're just doing live feeds at their mini camps. Um, uh, uh, you know, I, I recommend, I don't know, a lot of people do this. I follow every other team in the league, um, you know, just because I think it's interesting to see what other teams put up. Um, and that was the Jets actually put up just a live feed at a couple different times during mini camp. So I wouldn't be surprised if just like what Diddy was saying that, you know, as teams become more in control of their own content, um, you know, that type of thing will be uh, more common, you know, and then who knows, there could be a time when it's like, you know, uh, pay to watch the, you know, the, mm-hmm. the practice, mm-hmm. you know, the joint practice between, you know, I, I, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that type of thing gets broadcast I and mean, people talk about, oh, the preseason's pointless, but there is an absolutely endless appetite for NFL content. It is endless. I mean, we, you know, there is basically no off season anymore. The only off season is like for, for the NBA free agency, which we just got done with. And then like, you know, the world series other than that, they're going to have to push through. Sorry. I was just asking if the bulls had an off season. Did did, did they have a (laughs) NBA off season? They did. They did. They did. They they didn't do much with it. They're, they they're they're trying. They're they trying. signed a former Pacer, didn't they? Yeah. Thaddeus Young. They, they did sign Thaddeus Young, who I think has been in the league for about 17 years. And then they so, Jer, how, how you like them apples, Jer? Oh, wow. 
Yeah, we sent him over with his walker. Uh, then they tried to convince the other pacer, Darren Collison, to come, and then he retired. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's like, like no, I'd rather retire nope, than play for the I'm ball. good. <laughs> Not a good time. Not a good right, time. Well, no, but it, what I was going to say, though, is we're going to have to get through a whole generation of coaches that don't care about letting stuff out because I think that also plays a factor into this where – their waterfalls of them showing this stuff at practice. Cause like, look at the bears. They're not going to play their starters in the preseason. So the only chance you're going to have to see this first team offense at work is these nine open practices. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, they're hiding because they play in the, their rivals week one, just like last year. So it's like, you know, it, we're going to have to get to a point where, you know, 20 years from now where it's all young coaches that have 900 different formations and they're like, go ahead, look at my plays. Watch how much, watch how much it messes you up trying to figure it out. You know, but when you got John Fox running training camps with three plays, he's got three plays they run. He don't want right. anybody to see those. John Fox with his Tecmo Bowl offense. Yeah. <laughs> it's like run left, run left, right. <laughs> Well, it's just cool we're at a place where we're happy the starters aren't playing because I remember like last last off season I'm going into uh, the preseason games and like oh man I want to see the starters you know what I mean just a little bit now it's just like yeah we know it works keeps them healthy I'm good yep. with it yep and but it'll be interesting just because we saw what happened in that week one game and uh, last year and how they'll you know this time it's at home so I feel like that's better because like Mitch. Come going into last year, you know that's bright lights, huge stage, you know, you know the the, the atmosphere is tough to play in there when they're getting when they get rolling like they did in the second half, and they're gonna have all the momentum at home, so I feel good about the game, but it, it will be interesting because they played the first two preseason games a little bit, so maybe they stick to that formula, but maybe not because he's got so much trust in them, and I just really will be, you know, everyone's gonna be wondering how they come out, you know what I mean? That's it, it. That's going to be We got Roquan and Mac with a full training camp now, too. Yeah, that's, a, that's a great point, too, man. I mean, they didn't have them at all for the whole freaking offseason last year. And they came out and played fine as if they had a kid. You know what I mean? So just imagine how dominant they're going to be, man. It's so exciting. So exciting. Well, you talk about Mitch playing under the bright lights. I mean, he's so battle tested now, I feel like, after mm-hmm. last season. All those games getting flexed, yep. all those primetime games. I mean, you know, it, it, they a like lot of state. Yeah, they, they, they crave it, you know, and I think that's great. Jerry, you had something. Go ahead. I was going to ask you your opinion on Pagano. With There's a lot of talk about the loss of Fangio and the addition of Chuck Pagano. What do you expect out of Chuck Pagano in his first season coming back to the sideline? Me personally, I mean, you couldn't. It is a former head coach. He's had success as both a head coach and a defensive coordinator. You can't ask for much more from a coordinator. And as far as X's and O's, you know, I mean, I'm not the gonna, I'm not the fan to tell you what he's gonna be doing out there, this, that, and the other. I just, I'm more comfortable when we're talking about a guy that's ran a team of men on his own. You know, and we're talking about a guy that's been through so much. You want to talk about, you know, the outside of football stuff. I mean, that has bearing. You know, these players respect the human side of a coach just as much as what they do in a playbook. And if he can come through that stuff and still be able to be the the caliber of coach he was, I'm not worried. They, they're so talented. You watch a play of 
Khalil Mack knocking over three guys with one arm. <laughs> I could be, I could probably call a few plays on defense and they're going to be all right. You know, like Chuck Pagano and, and Vic Fangio, I don't think there's going to be a huge drop off. We saw, I don't, you know, I'm sure you guys saw the video at Bears 100 where he's like, I'm going to send the house first play. And I feel like that's the kind of cowboy mentality we'll see with him. You know, guys that do follow the X and O's a lot harder than me. You know, we're getting frustrated with Vic Fangio dropping Khalil Mack into mm. coverage as much as he did last year. I'm not the one to tell him he's right or wrong for doing that because I just want to see them win games, and they won freaking, what, 12 of them? I'll take that any day of the week. But if you're telling me they're going to send the house more, that might result in more interceptions or they get burned over the top. I'm, You know, we're going to find out. That's the beautiful thing about football It's a game of inches. So, you know, people say, oh, watch out. Ha ha likes to bite and he's going to get, he's going to get beat. Well, we'll see. Cause that pass rush is coming a hell of a lot quicker than these other defenses. He he's played on when you got Roy Robertson, Harris and Bilal Nichols as backups, <laughs> you know, I mean, these guys, they're just coming, you know? So I, I couldn't be they're They're primed, man. You talk about Oh five to Oh six when they won the super bowl or, and they got to the super bowl. This is exactly what it's lined up to be. They, they tasted it last year, and now they got to just punch through that door. And whether that means a Super Bowl trophy at the end takes a lot of different variables. But they're prime, man. I, they should win another 12 games this year. There's no reason not to. And after NFL Network actually touched on uh, the whole Vic leaving and the effect it's going to have on the team. And to, to be honest, it's like Pagano almost fits Nagy's whole way of thinking and doing. He's, he's, he he's going to talk to the players more. He's going to be more of a player's coach. Vic was known as this guy that, you know, he didn't talk much. He was just doing his thing from the booth. Like, hey, you're hoping he's on the sidelines. Pagano's a guy that's going to relate to the players. He's a guy that's going to talk to these guys. He's a guy that's going to inspire these, these players to play for him. And I think that's, that's, that's the kind of motivator Nagy is too. So I think this is Nagy's guy. And that's a great thing. Like Mac alluded to, he was saying, we're all learning this at the same time. Like I was, when I came in last year, I was just like trying to learn it. Everybody else knew it. Now, now we're all learning at the same time. It, it could lead to awesome stuff, man. 100%. Yeah, it was pretty cool. You know, I can play that if you want the uh, the NFL Network thing. It had uh, Jim Trotter, Reggie Wayne, and uh, Brandon Flowers were talking about um, Pagano. Do you guys want to hear that? Yeah, yeah play it up. Continuing the discussion about the Bears for now, how about these statistical ranks from last season? Wow. Number one in scoring, takeaways, rushing yards allowed, rushing touchdowns allowed, Big plays allowed. Everything clicked for this uh, team. Then they lost their defensive coordinator. Vic Fangio is now in Denver. So what becomes of this unit? Jim Trotter, you spent some time with them in minicamp. What was your takeaway? Look, I know people get caught up in the numbers that we just saw there. But for me, when you're around a team, you get a vibe about them, about a unit. And with this group, you got the sense that they no longer hope they can be what they talk about. They know they can be what they talk about. They have done it. And so... They are eager to get back out on the field. Remember, they have 10 starters returning. The one guy who isn't is being replaced by HaHa Clinton Dix, a veteran safety. So they feel good about their, their, their unit here. The one question, obviously, is Chuck Pagano. New defensive coordinator, but he is respected. When you talk to guys in that locker room, what they say is they like him because, one, <laughs> there's a lot more talk in that meeting room you with Chuck. You say that with a chuckle. Except Vic, you know, Vic's the old quiet curmudgeon, so to speak, in some ways. 
Chuck will tell you life stories that relate to football on these guys. I'm sure Reggie can relate to this. I can tell you he likes to talk. He really does. <laughs> and speaking of talking, I just talked to him a couple of weeks ago, right? And he stepped in and told me, he said, I said, man, what do you think about the, that defense? He said, baby, I'm going in there with house money. I'm putting it all on the table. I'm letting it all ride. If these guys are that good, Vic Vangio, he set the bar so high. So he's got to put everything out there. He also said, he was like, I feel like I'm the first-round pick around here because all eyes are on me. Because if this defense, you saw the, you saw the rankings that, that you just had up there. Yeah. If they go down from there, then everybody's going to be upset. They're going to be like, oh, they, we were better last year with Vic Vangio. So, he feels like he's the first-round pick. Everybody's watching to see how he responds, and I think he's got to come out there, like he said, let it all ride and be, be ready to go. Will he thrive in that type of a situation? Absolutely. He would definitely thrive in that. He loves what he has in place. He thinks this is a great group of guys out there. He, he said he don't really have to do much. These guys are that good. He said when you watch them on tape, everybody's flying around playing football, and I know he loves that. So then they go on to talk to Brenda Flowers, who's a current player. Um, but, I mean, obviously, like, that's so cool to hear. I mean, first, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not here to slander Fangio, although I did slander Fangio a little bit last year because I was very confused about his fourth-quarter defense strategy and a lot of his, you know, you talk about him putting Mack into coverage. And, you know, one of the best things that I think Pagano said all offseason is, we need to get 52 going that way, and that means towards the quarterback. So, you know, I don't want to see Mac dropping back into coverage basically ever. That is not what he's there to do. He is Derek Thomas. He is Lawrence Taylor. He is, you know, that type of player that, you know, whether he's in a two-point or a three-point stance, he is rushing the damn quarterback, whether it's inside or outside, it doesn't matter. And I think that's what Pagano is going to do. And the other thing about Pagano is – you know, uh, Jim Trotter talks about it. Fangio, I mean, they called him the godfather. They called him the mad scientist. They're, you know, he's up in the booth. There was a separation between him and Nagy, which luckily worked. But, you know, if it didn't, it, it, let's say the team hadn't won last year, the, the storylines would have been, are Nagy and Pace on the same page? Why aren't they talking to each other, you know, this, that, and the other, that kind of thing, you know, so because it worked, but one of the things that, that bothered me and, and uh, Jiggy talked about this was that Fangio wasn't in that booth all the time. And I, and I don't know if Pagano's going to be in the booth. That may be the defensive coordinator way these days, but I hope he's on the field because I just think that when you're down in the field, you get the, you get a vibe for the game. That's very different. And, and I think Pagano is just a much more relatable human being than Fangio. I mean, you know, the, the first time we really saw what Fangio's personality was really like was maybe later in the season once he felt a little bit more comfortable. But, you know, it took a long time for him to show his personality, whereas Pagano wears his heart on his sleeve, like, all the time. You know, I mean, I, I've loved Pagano since he made that speech, you know, after coming back from cancer. I mean... Exactly. The, the guy is like he's he is freaking motivating. I mean, you know, I'm sure Frangio is motivating in that like, you know, Godfather kind of like you know way or whatever. But you don't want to let him down, kind of thing. But Pagano seems like the kind of guy that when they need somebody to give a speech and 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 be in the middle of a huddle, he's gonna be that guy that gets people fired up, you know. And well, it's it's also cool that you know our our first year head coach was around a very good defensive coordinator, so he knew what to right. look for going into this hire. And you you bring in Pagano, and 
I, I just feel good about it, man. You know what I mean? I, I'm glad that Nagy is making this all his. He's bringing in his guys now. He's not mm-hmm. stuck with anybody from the old regime. This is totally moving forward, and I think it's moving forward in a great direction. I think. Uh, I'm sorry. I think if you ever want some insight on it, and I'll, I'll promote this podcast that I'll listen to, Pat McAfee. If you ever listen to Pat McAfee, he's he's kind of nutty and goofy, but you can get a good sense of how Pagano was as a coach by some of the stories he tells about <clears throat> Chuck. And uh, I, I get the feeling that the guys are really going to love him. He seems like he's just straight up. He's, he's a dude. So Pagano's going to be in Club Dub. I guarantee you. Well, he's going to be all in it. <laughs> you, need a guy, you need a coach like this if you're Matt Nagy. Just like that was why you needed Vic Fangio and Flash, you know, a high caliber, respected. Because Nagy's got a lot of work to do to get – Mitch to get all the morons on Twitter to shut up. And this is the year. It's year three for Mitch, year two for these guys. High expectations. And he couldn't be a more perfect coach for him because he doesn't have to be in that room as much as he'll probably be in there. But he can basically leave it to Chuck just like he was leaving it to, you know, Vic. And, you know, they talk about the vibes 1,000%. You could feel those last year, excited to be out there type of vibes from the players and the fans alike. But the players, more importantly, they were so excited every day to go out there. It wasn't dragging their feet. Everybody's dancing, and a lot of that comes from Tariq and, and Anthony just every day coming there in a good mood. And that, that that's I mean, that's beautiful thing. That is what you need from a team. But now it's a different type of vibe. It's a – what they just said. They can't wait to get it back out there. Why? Because by about week seven last year, they realized they could win every Sunday. And mm. nothing for a young team is better feeling than that. So now, I mean, look how fast this offseason has felt like. And maybe it's because they've had all these different events going on that have helped push us to this moment. But, man, it's already training camp. These guys are so excited to get out there. Why? Because they know they can win every Sunday. They didn't know that going into week one last year for sure. They thought it, but now they know it. So Buster Screen, haha, Clint Dix, those are two tough questions because we don't know exactly how they're going to gel with the rest of the defense. But when you got haha and Eddie Jackson both coming from Alabama, both already having a familiarity with each other, that's the one spot on a defense, as we know, with the Chris Contes and all the different safety combinations of the world that blew up big games, how important that position is to any defense. But these guys play together. So even though it's the first year and new defense, you know, that pass rush, you can't teach a good pass rush. So I I just feel good about it. There's a lot of ugly spots. The Denver Broncos won the Super Bowl a few years ago with a terrible quarterback, couldn't get the Uh – Nasty pass rush. So, you know, that's that's all you're you're looking at if you're a Bears right. fan is how fast they're going to get to that quarterback, you know. And it's going to – Roquan Smith, Khalil Mack, <laughs> Akeem Hicks and that push up the middle. Like, I'm no – you know, I, I don't break down the tape like some of these guys do on Twitter, but it's obvious. You know? yeah, right. <laughs> these guys it's are going to be running waves for their too. Life, dude. It's so exciting. It's, it's going to come in waves too, Greg. It's not just going to be those guys. It's going to be, oh, well, you got them blocked. Oh, let's throw some Bilal Nichols up in there. Let's throw some Roy Robb in there. Yeah, Let's Bilal throw Nichols, some Kylie young, Fitz in there. A young Tommy Harris. He literally looks exactly like Tommy looked in, in his early days. I mean, <laughs> he's a backup. It's crazy. And imagine yeah, if Floyd actually finally scene. steps up on top of it. 
Well, he broke out at the end of last year, so you're expecting him to carry that over into this year. And yeah, no let's more... not, I mean, yeah, let's not forget Floyd in that Packers game. Floyd played his ass off in that Packers oh, game. Oh, if he could do that yeah. consistently, man, it's on. I'm telling yeah. you, Floyd's playing. This whole thing well was health. This whole thing was health. He does. He does always play well against Green Bay. That the the weird thing about Floyd is that he's the kind of player that he's almost like a wide receiver where you you have to get him going early, and and if he can kind of get lost if he doesn't get going early. And he's also, I think he's, a, as I mentioned before, he's kind of a guy that's happy to defer to other people to make plays, sometimes a little bit too happy and, and doesn't want to stick his nose in there, you know. So, I, and that's the kind of thing that I think Pagano is going to pick up on because he's really he's really going to be in tune with these guys' personalities, you know. And not to say that Fangio wasn't, but but just from the outside looking in, you just have to believe that, that Pagano seems like a guy that's going to get to know them even more. Like, I feel like Fangio was kind of feared and respected, and I think Pagano is going to be loved and respected, you know. If, if because we get 75% out of what we thought Floyd would be, we are good. Like, if this, if he just steps up just a little bit, man, like, and just plays consistently dominant, it's over. Like, that, that that's... We need yeah, to I mean, if you get, if you get we'll be dominant. I mean, if you if you were to actually have bookends, pass rushers, I mean, you know, cheats. I mean, that's that's crazy. Like, you know, and and then you go, Greg. You mentioned Haha and and uh, Eddie. I mean, I think the thing about them is the way you're talking about them playing together. And I think that the knock on Amos was that you know he. I don't know that he was ever really quite able to always play complimentary to a ball hawking safety like Eddie. I mean, I think he did what he did and he was very solid, um, you know, in, in what he did, but he's almost more like a linebacker than a safe, you know, than like a, the kind of safety that Eddie plays. And so, you know, it, it may be that's, that, that that's we give why up. I kind of felt like they fit though. Right. They have one guy that takes yeah. chances and then the other guy is always where he's supposed Steady to be. Eddie. No, you yeah. got these. Now you got these two guys. Sound like they all take chances, which is great. I mean, I, let's see how it works. I'm excited yeah. to see. You know, that if a pass rush is coming in fast, they should be able to jump routes. But just, yeah. you know, they. I have heard from critics of Haas from his former team's fan base saying that he gets he gets uh, beat deep sometimes, which is you know gonna happen when you take chances. So the question right. is, is it which way is it gonna go? You know, a I mean, ch- sometimes a chance take taker. A chance taker in that Philly game would have made all the difference. Yep. I mean, th- there were some balls just being lobbed up Floated there. Floated up there. You're a thousand. Do you know? Do you know what I mean? They... Well, and I and I think there was a, my biggest frustration with Fangio was that there would be blood in the water. It felt like sometimes, and then he'd be playing it safe. You know, like I feel like we got these guys on the ropes. Like you need to just bring it again and again and again. And sure, you might give up a big play here or there, but you also might make a big play. You know what I mean? Like, you know, let's these, you got you these know, guys that are hungry. And ironically, Amos was the one that got the interception floating in the mm-hmm. end zone. But the other big play was when he, he lowered the boomstick mm-hmm. on, on Golden Tate instead of maybe trying to ball hawk there because it, he, he could, got there in plenty of time and instead he chose to hit him. And that causes, I believe they threw a flag. Yeah, they threw a flag. And instead it could have been a pick. And, you know, I mean, those are the little things, but. 
It's hard to say. You know, every team's different. It's going to shake out a little different this year. A lot of it depends on the offense. If the offense is churning and they're always playing with the lead, then the defense can pin their ear, ears back and go get them. I mean, all right. this is connected. I mean, that's right. the beautiful thing about football. sports. Yeah, I mean, that, or football. I mean, that's the whole point of it. So we have no idea how this is going to shake out. You know, I mean, it, it's it, – but they have every piece in place. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a Bears team this deep and this right. locked in at each position. I mean, like I said, in 06, we were locked in at each position, but our quarterback was like, oh, we'll see. You know, even when he won player of the month. Yeah, you know, I mean, you could, you, could put, you could write down the, about 48 to 49 of the 53-man roster right now. Right. I saw somebody <laughs> say, too, if all you're worried about is a kicker, you're in pretty good shape. Well, we learned last year that ain't the case. They <laughs> no, no, I get that. They yeah. went into last year thinking yeah. that, and even I, I mean, like, I mean, we all underestimated it because unlike Glennon two years ago where it was so obvious to Cam, you like, got to get rid of this guy. Cody was doing the same thing at camp last year, missing four or five kicks every day you go out there, and you're like, Ooh, that's kind of bad, you know, but you're like, eh, it's bourbon, a, you know, like, you know, whatever. I guess you never appreciated what Robbie was doing while he was out there because you just knew he'd do it when the gate when the money was on the on the table. But then Cody trans, t- transferred over into the season and it cost us what could have. Who knows what could have happened after the Eagles game? And I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like they could. They would have won the Super Bowl, but they could have, and we'll never know. And that's a very maddening thing for any Bears fan because Maroon unless they win it beat, all. Maroon Five beat the Rams. Maroon five, Rams three. <laughs> the, thing is, the thing is, too, if our if our offense takes that step and hits that potential, we think they can. We're not gonna have to worry about a kicker. So we have a defense that's gonna lock people down. Ho- ho- hopefully, we don't have to worry about a kicker. But that's the yeah. thing, man. I mean, all game. Herm Edwards. It's my one of my favorite quotes. Uh, you know, the difference between ten wins and five wins is about five plays. Yeah. And that's the truth, and it don't matter if the Bears are ten times better than they are this year than last year. Every game ends up coming down to three points. It just that's how it always right. is. Very, it's rare that you get to blow out teams in the NFL. Well, yeah, it's they just, were about they were about four or five plays from being undefeated last season. Right, but they mm-hmm. also could have lost some games too. Mm-hmm. You know, you can right. play that game all day long, and we're gonna see that this year. Every game is going to be – I mean, we'll be lucky if they get a bunch of blowouts. It's just not going to happen. That's not how football is. That's, I don't think that's that – I don't think great. anybody's expecting that, but I think that the most exciting part is that I don't think that Mitch has to set the world on fire for this team to go 12-4 and four again, to go 13-3 and three again. But the but the fact of the matter is is that we're, we're also going to get everybody's best game because now – now we are the target. We are the game that people are circling on their schedule. It's not. It's not. Oh, it's the Bears. You know. It's. It's. You know. It's the Bears. So, you know. It's. I think that's the difference. Um, you know. Is they're gonna far- have five games that you're, the kicker is gonna be. I you, know. You know I what I mean. I'm just trying to avoid Dude, it. They have to trade <laughs> yeah. the fifth round pick for Robbie Gold. And the the fans need to just like beat on the walls of the oh, house hall doors. If he walks into it. training camp, I need that video. <laughs> I know, like fuck your rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for real. I mean, because that. I mean, that's the last storyline. And Pace has done oh, this with Mac last year, and 
I I just believe that's what's going to happen. You keep reading the tea leaves. You see how Robbie's messing with them. I even if a kicker does well out of these two, they're bringing in. That can be a guy that's practice squatted and mentored to Robbie. They are trying to win a Super Bowl, and I just I don't it's care if Pinheiro right. comes out and it's hits thirty two. Fucking around and do it. Yeah. Because, dude, you're still – if he makes 32 or 32 and then we go into the first round of the playoffs last year and he needs a 43-yarder to win the game, nobody's going to feel good about that kick and I just because it's now ingrained in us what happened. So the only person that anyone's going to feel good about is Robbie because that's all we all keep talking about. So and, – and, and not just because we like him for a name like you'd normally think with Dopey Bears fans and Meatballish, bring back Robbie Crap. He's actually good still. So he, you know, he changed what he was doing when he went to the Giants. He's spoken about that, and now he's one of the best kickers in the league still. So bring, they have to do it. And I know Pace knows it. They're just hoping the Niners come off of whatever they're asking. I don't give a shit personally. I don't care about future picks. I don't give up draft equity. Let someone else cry about it. I know I won't. Yeah, I mean, 100%, you know, because I just think you you absolutely don't know what those kickers are going to do until they're in the game live. You absolutely don't know. There is no science. Finding a kicker is fucking witchcraft. It's not a science. As much as you want to have a guy who says he's an expert, he runs a camp, you know, this, that, and the other. All these kickers come from everywhere. Robbie Gold came from out of nowhere. You know, these guys are not, you know, it's like it's like putting on the biggest stage. Everybody could be a great putter, but when you walk up to the 18th at Augusta and you're trying to win the, the match, I don't care. You know, there's just certain guys that are cut out for that, and there's certain guys that aren't. And, and you think about kicking. They do that three or four times a game. That's what it's like. It's like it's like a huge putt in a huge golf tournament that they have to make. And, oh, and you've got like 300-pound guys diving at you. You know what I mean? Like, so Eddie it's Pinero, not. It's Eddie Pinero's from Florida. He could look great at camp. He could look mm-hmm. great for the first two months of the season. I need to know how he's going to look in January, in the cold, in the wind. We don't. We can't. I know a, one guy. I know one kicker that can make those. And we, he's, he lives in Chicago. Right. Well, and 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 the thing is, he's so far and away better than any other kicker in Bears history. It's like not even funny. I mean, we talked about it on our on my other show, How to Call, and and he broke down all the history of it. I mean, the Bears kicking history is brutal, aside from Robbie Gold. We were mm, absolutely good, man. No, it's brutal. Butler is Butler's percentages. Look at the stats. Are pretty brutal. What about like, Paul Edinger? for a brief moment in time. Robbie Gold is is the gold standard, and we were spoiled rotten to have him for all those years. We have better luck it's with Connor so than we did. Kicker. The second best kicker in Bears history is Cody Parkey. Okay. Ugh. Period. That's that's reality. <laughs> so you know, Robbie Ryan, Gold, you really need to listen to the other shows, bro. <laughs> 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 Just saying. I person, heard it. I cringe then too. <laughs> it's bad. I mean, you know, you, you kicker, running backs and linebackers, we do. Kickers, wide receivers, and 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 quarterbacks, not so much, except for Robbie Colt and a couple other guys. What, what was his percentage? Eighty-four percent when he got cut. He got cut. Yeah, eighty-four percent kicker, which is still. It, yeah, I mean, remember when the and I know you guys are gonna roll your eyes. No, you will double it. But when the Cubs won the World Series, 
that spring, who do they bust bust out in spring to walk them out there? You know, they surprised everybody with Dexter Fowler, and then they went off and won it all. They need to do that for Robbie. Surprise everybody the first day. I was so excited when the Cubs won the World Series for the record, Greg. I was very excited for the series. I wasn't. I was just happy we didn't blow it. I I thought (laughs) my whole life I was waiting for that moment. And that's why uh, I, I, I wish I, I was taking the blowout. But when they won, I was like, I was so relieved that they didn't choke again. Because when they choked, they sure the, still tried. Like oh, the, the darkness up, inside so my good. mind when I thought they were going to lose. I like thought I was going to have to go into hiding. I was so <laughs> upset. And when they won, it wasn't like, yeah, crying. I was just, I literally just was so relieved that we didn't choke. And it was. It's kind of like a disappointing feeling. Like, who waits their whole life to feel like that? It was not – it wasn't. No, but, it was, it's well, the same as being a Red Sox fan, man. That first one is just like, finally. Sorry, A. Uh, I'm sorry. I told you. I just felt bad. It's same, it was the same struggle. I felt bad for all those people that kept showing on the TV. I was like, just let them win. These people are pathetic. <laughs> as a Cardinals fan, we felt the same way about the Cubs, too. But Theo's like, amazing, oh. though, man. He, Theo reversed two curses, like – it's unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's see if he can actually, you know, keep this this thing going. But but it's funny you talk about them not blowing it. I mean, you know, even Chris Bryant almost slipped on that throw. It would be it would be like if the Bears that. got to the Super Bowl and Eddie Pinheiro misses three kicks in, the, your in, mouth. in, the, in the first three quarters, but right. then the Bears have a kick to win the game at the end. You're gonna feel like shit, and then when he makes it. And they and they put in Tariq Cohen and he nails it. <laughs> we, as, <laughs> we as a fan base and I and I've talked about this before and I don't know, you know, people think I might think I'm crazy, but we as a fan base, and I think other fan bases are this way too, but we have this ability to manifest our fears onto the games. And every single podcast, every single radio host, every single person all in the in moments and days and you know week leading up to that game was talking about Cody Parkey, and that's all they existence. were talking. And we literally spoke that into existence. It happened, one hundred percent. I believe in this. Yeah. Per- preach because this is something Bears fans need to hear. And 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 that's the thing is like you have to like we need to. Focus on the positives of this team and not worry about it, you know, and I think it's not like you, you forget about it and you act like it's not a thing because, you know, and, and it's obviously Nagy's job to focus on every single detail. So he has to do that. But at the same time, like we can't sit and, and I mean, it's impossible. We're going to, but, but we have to try. Like even during that game, I was tweeting like positivity for Parky because it seemed like he was like, doing pretty good. But in my heart of hearts, I felt like he was going to blow it at some point. It Maybe not that game, but at, in some other game. And there was a little bit of relief for me that he blew it in the first game and not later on, because I felt like it was almost an inevitability because his, his confidence was so shaken. And I think that's it at the end of the day is like, you just have to be like, super confident as a kicker and have a super short memory. It's almost like being a closer. You go out there, you get rocked one day. You know what? You go out there again with your best stuff and you throw it over the plate and you see how the chips fall where they may. Because, you know, I don't think you can go out there and think it 
a ball through the uprights. You got to go out there and you just trust your mechanics and you do what you do. And it goes out there. And, and that guy looked like he was trying to guide the ball. Every time he made one, it just seemed like it was barely in, barely through. When like you no took that power. first one, though, and you made it, I'm like, son of a... Oh, and then and then they iced him, and I was like, it's over. Like, there's no... I, I felt like after that, there was absolutely no way he was going to make it. Well, and like you were saying, Double A, I mean, the, like, or in, in Diddy 2, with the Red Sox, when they won it, the idiots were the ones that broke that curse. They were a team that didn't care about what had happened in the past, and they just attacked it, and they had fun. They had mm-hmm. things they had to come up against, and they attacked the moment. I mean, uh, you know, Diddy would have to correct me because it's been freaking 20 years, but that was the team that came back down 3 to win, win it all. It just, it just made me feel old, man. Damn. And yeah, they, <laughs> but that was because they didn't care about past failures, right. and they had to right. the moment. And the Cubs was the same way. Yeah, it was that cowboy, cowboy up, bunch of idiots, you know, grimy mentality. That and this had. Cub, and I was witnessed it at Wrigley firsthand. We went from a fan base that just constantly obsessed about the choke and the curse and everything that was going to happen, Bartman, Billy Goats, everything else, and it wasn't until a team that didn't care about that, Javi Baez was the leader of kind of that mojo, and they'd be clapping in the dugout, they'd be dancing after wins, and when things went wrong, they smiled and winked at it, like Nagy kind of does on the sideline. And you got to have that mentality as a team. It trickles into the fan base because, you know, and that was the thing about Parky. He just gave everyone the spooks. You got to have a guy that doesn't give you that vibe, but it is also upon the team. And the Bears didn't try to do everything they could to pretend like he wasn't a problem. It just was like all of a sudden everything was happening so fast in that playoff game. And then all of a sudden Mitch gets you right in position and you're like, Oh shit! This is gonna come down to what we've been talking about all right. week. Well, and, and also, like, like you're saying, like it, it, these guys are gonna forget about that. This is a young team. This isn't like a team that is on, on their their back end here, and it's been years since they've been to the playoffs, and they're finally there, and they blow it. This is a young team that's getting better, and I, I think you, I think you're right, Greg. They're gonna forget all about it, man. They're young. They're hungry. And but it's they're, they're it's gonna like so when we get to the playoffs, this moment's gonna happen again. Because this is Chicago yep. sports, and sports are just poetry, and and it all comes around, so full circle. And when we get to the playoffs, this moment's going to happen again. And it's going to be about the demeanor of the Bears, the demeanor of their coach, the demeanor of the fans when that guy goes running out there. Because if everybody's fucking on their, on their toes – it doesn't help. It just doesn't. And for people to be like, ah, that has nothing to do with it. You have no idea about sports. You just don't. Right. I, uh, that's all I could say to you. I, yeah. I had a guy last year come at me on Twitter because when the Patriots game was the one game I didn't get to go to. But on TV, it felt like everyone was sleeping. And I just – that frustrates me because I'm the type of fan that wants everyone to get into it. If I'm in the bleachers at Wrigley, I'm – Yapping at the outfielder. I'm getting the fans all around up. When I'm at Soldier Field, we're yelling boom at kickoff, and you are screaming on third down. There are people that will yell at you. Yes, if sir. you stand up on third down, there are like people that will be like, can you please sit? No, we are not no. sitting. This is a rock concert. Get up and cheer. You know, and so like I like to be a part of it. And Nagy, thank God, is someone that embraces that. And yeah. so this that that's what this is all about. We get to that moment, positive vibes. 
Every well, yeah. and, and that stadium and that fan base absolutely needed a kick in the ass. They absolutely needed Nagy to say, hey, you know what? We need you. We need you to be loud, you know, because it, there's there's a lot of, like, this kind of weirdness about Bears fans where it's like for school. Yeah. Well, I think it's a a little, it's, it's a, it's a little bit of that, but it's also a little bit of just like, they don't want to get hurt. I mean, you know what I mean? Like they just don't, you don't want to get, they don't believe they're not, I don't know if they're jaded. I just feel like they're, they're like afraid to, to, to love too hard and get hurt. You know what I mean? Like in a, in a crazy way. Go ahead, Jared. I'll tell you, I think it's, we've seen failure out of success before we've seen teams turn this corner and then all of a sudden just fall apart. It's the, it's the, it's the jaded, crazy ex-girlfriend that you love to hate, but you hate to love, you know? Well, and, and there is a certain, and you can back me up on this, Greg. I think you will. There is a certain amount of people that love their sports misery in this area of the country. Mm. They love it. They love it more than anything else. They hold on to it. When the Blackhawks finally won, oh, my God, there were so many people who were just, like, mad at all these new fans and, and you know, like, upset because these people weren't, you know, true blue fans. And the same thing happened with the Cubs. The Cubs fans, you know, they felt like they had earned something by following this team for all these years while they stunk and, and, and were mad at people. Well, they were that, the lovable losers. That's what right. they were known as. But people were that older fans that just uh-huh. – are more negative. I mean, you get it sometimes with the younger fans. Uh, you see it sometimes, but it's mostly the older generation that just has been through so many fail. Like, ah, you know, like my boss, but I'd be telling him every day at work and he's an old timer. Like, oh, bears are going to be good this year. He's like, flop. they're going to flop, flopadopolis, you know, and he just like every week he'd say it, no matter how good they got, you know, and I, I don't think it's st- I don't think that changed for anybody until like Club Dub really started to take off. And then when they beat the Vikings and the Rams and people started seeing how much fun mm-hmm. this team had, they were like, ah, fuck it. We'll start believing them. And then that, they blow it in the playoffs and they're like, son of a bitch. <laughs> that week 17 for me, watching that Vikings game and watching that second string come in and basically carry out shutting down Minnesota. For me, that cemented that this team's for real. They are built to last for the next couple of years. I had a good friend when the Bears blew it to the Packers week one. He texted me after the game, which was the worst time to text me. He he texts me every once in a while. He texts me after the game, and he's just a novice fan. He's super busy. He's got three kids, and he's a cop and doesn't have too much time like we all do for the Bears. And he he texts me after the game, uh, same old crap bears. I was like, yeah, actually they're not. Stay tuned. And I was like pissed off when he said that. To mm-hmm. me. I was like, well, how the fuck did you watch that game and think that? Like they blew it, yeah. But they, dude, look how exciting. Have they ever looked that exciting in the first half of a game? You're oh like, my god. Was like, when Mac House that, you know, every person, every Bears fan was talking about Super Bowl. And it's just so funny. Yeah. That game was like a conundrum of what Bears fandom goes through because. It, we, we jump on when we think it's going to, and then it blows up, and then half the fan base is like, screw these guys. They, they will never do it. Mm-hmm. It was well, a because, tough one, though. We had such a big lead, and like normally we don't you know, do that to Green Bay, so we're like, we got this. It's it's a wrap. This is amazing. Oh, it just shit. was like a it was pro- just like another, prophecy. Oh, shit. It was just a prophecy fulfilled for all the piss-ant Bears fans, you know, like A was saying. 
Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you know, there's a lot of people that are just comfortable with where they are. And I think, honestly, the organization for a long time was comfortable in mediocrity, you know, because it was just kind of like, well, we're the Bears, you know, we're we got, you know, we do all right with the stadium and, you know, getting filled for the most part and we're a heritage franchise and yada, yada, yada. And it was like, I think the Cubs, and I've said this before, but I think the Cubs winning it, first the Blackhawks winning it and them seeing what that parade was like, and then the Cubs doing it after the Blackhawks did it again a couple times, I think that changed everything. I think it showed the Bears what this city is like now with the Can you imagine a Bears Super Bowl rally? No, I mean, it's going to be insane. In the middle of damn winter, it's going to be insane. They're going to need twice the size of Grant Park to hold it all. I mean, it's going to be We're talking about the Packer game and, like, how the season started, but, like, the second Green Bay game in Chicago, like, talk about putting Green Bay in the rear view, man, winning the division against them. And it wasn't, and it wasn't easy. And, and I think that was what was great about that game was that that it wasn't just like oh Green Bay rolled over because they didn't roll over. I mean, like Rodgers didn't go away. Like that motherfucker kept coming, and and we had to keep going down and and doing it again. And then when Tariq fumbled, I oh. mean, like that was brutal. Like yeah. But the coolest part about that was that because now I feel like we're a fan base that doesn't just get the wind knocked out of their sails so easily. Like, I feel like they learned since the Bear Raid Siren and since Nagy kind of challenging them to be loud, we, we kind of got like a like a better vibe about us because that, that knocked the air out of the stadium. And you remember, Greg, when, when he fumbled, that was like, that that was like, oh, fuck. Like, you had that feeling. But, but I just, you know, like, I stood up at that point in the stadium and I was just like, no, fuck this. Like, we're not... Don't go into this hole right now. Do not do this, you know? And I just felt like there were a lot of people that were of that same mindset. It was like, no, we're not going into our shell. We're not going down the negative path. We're not going to manifest another disappointment. And that's that's because you believe in this team. And that's because the team believes in themselves. They exude that feeling that you're feeling, and that's that's, that's why you know it when you see it. That's one of my favorite lines in sports, and – Right. This team, you just know it because you see them react correctly in the clutch moments, and that was one of them. I mean, the very next punt comes at Tariq, and he almost houses it. Yeah. And when he runs out of bounds, he's like a grizzly bear. He's like, and you just <laughs> that's the fire that you need to win a Super Bowl. You're going to well, make mistakes, yeah. you know, but it's how you respond to them, and they right. respond. They always respond. When that's what I love. Honestly, one of the biggest things I love about Mitch is that he fucks up, but he wants the ball back again right now. It's Jay not- was the other way, man. Yeah, mm-hmm. Jay was like, it was waterfalls. Don't, yeah, like just let the game end. I don't want the ball back. And he was that way in high school. He was that way in college. And he every big play, he didn't want it. Right. But Mitch, I mean, Mitch wants it. Mitch wants the ball every single time. Mitch, Mitch doesn't care. Like, you know, if it's on the one yard line, he wants the fucking ball again. Like, and that's, that's what I think is great about him is that he, he craves that. I mean, he, somebody, uh, Scar, I think posted a interview, um, that he did just recently from his camp. Um, yeah, like, it was just Canellis on a word last night mm-hmm, was saying, and, and Mitch is just saying, I'm ready to be great. 
I mean, mm-hmm. fucking A right. That's so unbelievably refreshing to hear. Like, you know what? Like, there's people that could be like, oh, fuck you. You know, um, I mean, they, 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 one of the things that just got posted today was when um, people are talking about Mitch is the number one most bet player to win the MVP because it opened, I think, at like 200 to one for him, <laughs> for him to win the MVP. But it also speaks to, uh, you know, the excitement of this fan base because that Bears fans move the needle in Vegas. I yeah. mean, they, they, they bet, <laughs> you know what I mean? And when, and when the Bears are good, it's good for everybody because this is a big fan base and they like to put money on things, you know, so. 200 to one on a quarterback and with one of the best teams in football. Yeah. That was some pretty silly odds to put out there. They corrected that quickly. Cause that was, yeah, that's, just, that's, I mean, that's why you saw the action on it because that's an insane value. I mean, I'm sure $20, it's worth $20 for anyone. Right. Why wouldn't you put, oh, yeah, definitely. you know, I'm I mean, curious what you guys think would constitute him being great this season. What kind of stats? 35 touchdowns. Damn. Thousand yards. Touchdowns. 35 t- touchdowns, damn near 4,000 yards. I he, yep. I expected him to get over 30 last year, and I believe had he not got hurt, he probably gets that number, but we'll Why never know. I've so, never seen a quarterback surrounded this way, Greg. I know you said the, the, the whole roster, touchdowns. but yeah. I mean, have, you ever, have you ever seen a Bears quarterback surrounded this way? No, not mm-hmm. at all. I mean, it's insane. Well, you, a lot of people forget that the 2006 Bears had the number one defense in the NFL and the number one offense, technically, in the NFL that year. It was all run game, plowing the road with the best O-line run mm-hmm. game and deep ball threat guys they had. They had no short game passing. You know, Rex couldn't throw a seven-yard slam, but he could throw it 65 yards downfield. I mean, what a, what a conundrum, but it worked for that team. They actually were a great offense, but we knew Rex had limitations. They ran the offense accordingly. Mitch has no limitations. And And more weapons, more depth. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I mean, we don't know how it's going to shake out yet, uh, who's going to be who. But, I mean, it's clear. I mean, they're going to make cuts this year where teams are going to be plucking from our – we used to pluck from other teams Mm -hmm. to get talent to try to roll this roster over. Now we're gonna lose guys. My, the, you know, I might lose my my fucking my boy Tanner to the Bills. You know, I mean, this is gonna be what happens this year. We can we yeah. can talk about it if you really want to. Oh, uh, you guys can make fun of me. You guys can make <laughs> no. fun of me. <laughs> no, no, we're not making. Fun of no. we're we're I did man. chase his car. Are you gonna? Are you gonna? <laughs> <laughs> you did, dude. I saw that. I, was like, I saw Tanner. you take off. I'm like, where's he going? I, I was like, I think that's Tanner Gentry, man. Are you going to fall in love with uh, Thomas Ives this year? No, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I think probably my guy is going to be Kareth White, if I had to guess. Cause yes! I'm partial to uh, retirement wow. because my favorite player ever is Devin Hester. And this guy's lightning fast. So yeah, I think if we're talking about sleepers, that's probably going to be my guy. It's going to be hard yeah. to gauge that at camp. You're going to probably see see what you need to see in the preseason games from him. But that's probably going to be the one I keep my eye on the most uh, defensively. Obviously, Duke Shelley and that Buster Screen thing is going to be interesting. But, yeah, uh, we're going to lose some guys. I asked Nagy at Bears 100 if he would consider keeping eight wide receivers because I like them all, you know. It's crazy to think who we're going to have to let go. I mean, you know, I just, it's a harder, tough decision to make. 
if you're that coaching staff, I'll tell you that. I mean, I think, and Jared, back to your question about what you need to see from Mitch to to succeed, to be have a successful season. I think it's not so much stats, although I think stats is a huge part of it. But uh, I just need to see him have that that type of maturity and and you know playmaking ability to go out there and when they need to put together a drive, he does it. You know what I mean? Um, and I and I just want to see the progression of him going to the line, making the right call, and you know delivering the ball confidently because he knows his guys are going to be where they're supposed to be. And I think the stats are going to come if he does that. But I, I don't care if we win every game 13 to 10, you know, or you know 15 to to, to, to six. You know, Maggie's not afraid to play it that way. He proved right. that last year. He knows right. he has the best defense in football. And I think it's I about think he, winning games. And I think it took a while for him to. Re, it took a while for Nagy to even trust that. I mean, I think after a while he realized, oh shit, like I have this defense, and I I can't screw this up. Like I can't let. You know, and I think there was a period of time there where they where the offense played a little bit tight, um, you know, kind of worried about that because there were, some, you know, some times where Mitch had some some bad, you know, interceptions. And I just think it's it's that little hesitation. It's that it's that, you know, that not even a half a second. It's like less than a half a second where you doubt yourself. And and I think that that's what you're going to see the difference in him this year is he's not going to doubt himself. And they've already talked about the difference between what they're doing this year as opposed to what they're doing last year. Last year, they were literally learning the language of the offense. This year, they're doing the things that the Patriots do, which is running all insane, weird situations. They're now practicing the the weird shit that teams that already know the basics get to practice. And so when, you know, when the inevitability of these close games is one, two, three plays five plays that decide a season come up, they're going to have practice those. And that's what Belichick does is, you know, I mean, uh, Edelman and, and some of these guys on the Patriots talk about how Belichick has them practice pretty much every scenario you could possibly think of on a football field. Belichick has probably run a practice for it. And that's what Nagy's doing this season because they don't have to worry about these like, you know, one-on-one installs, you know, they know, where they're supposed to be and now it's just like okay we built this race car now we're gonna now we're gonna open it up now we're gonna you know we're gonna uh really fine tune it and and start running like that go ahead Jared. i think uh the thing that will mark that i for me that he's successful is when the play breaks down and he rolls out and he sees a wide receiver in the flat and he makes the throw, you know, all the great quarterbacks that we've, we grew up watching and we've seen have had that ability to make something out of nothing. And Mitch shows that with his feet. Now, if he can show that with his feet and his arm, look out. Yeah, we may not, we Jared. may not lose. That's exactly That's what I was real say, fucking talk. We may yeah. not lose. If he can, if he can not, those, those times when he goes, takes off running, if he can take those opportunities to extend plays like Jerry's saying, man, mm-hmm. and the receivers, but it's also when the, the play breaks down that he's confident in where the receiver's going, that they know each other that well. Yes. You know what I mean? But if that happens, man, ooh. It's Miller well, you saw it. You, you saw it last year. I mean, in the beginning. Oh, oh yeah. Of the season, in the beginning of the season, he was escaping just to escape, and then he didn't know 
really what his plan was after that, but he has the instincts and the athletic ability to make a play after that. Then you saw him not looking down so much at the line and being able to take his time. And so when he escaped, he then had a plan. Now the next step is what are the receivers going to do? You know, and we've talked about this. Are you know, is there going to be guys who know what the hell to do on a fire drill and know where to go and know what Mitch likes? You know, where do I go when, when Mitch rolls out this right. direction? I mean, they were all – You saw that with Allen sure. Robinson at uh-huh. the end of the year. Right. They, they didn't have that connection early on. Right. And by the end of the year, you saw it with the Eagles' second half or the Pack. I mean, they that is the thing to, see, to keep your eye on the most is how big a year Allen has because he looked like – you know, a top five, top ten wide receiver in that playoff game. And that has a lot to do with what you're talking about, Double A, is they are starting to understand what they're trying to do. And, you know, you got a team now that they all, you know, so like you saw at the beginning of the year where Mitch would just chuck it and sometimes they almost threw just an embarrassing pick. You know, Packers game stands out early on or the Dolphins game where he throws it across the whole field. It actually gets completed, and you're like, what What are you doing? But then at the end of the year, they were kind of playing everything close to the vest because he got injured. Until that Packer game, then they reopened it up, and he diced them. He diced – they were dicing the Vikings with the damn backups. You know, and then, right. then, the, then the Eagles game comes along, and it was almost like a microcosm of the whole season. And that's just like – to me how sports is. It's like the first half was the first half of our season. And then the second half, was, it was just like yeah. exactly – that's how kind of things go. And so like this year, you expect them 100% to take the next jump. There's no reason why they shouldn't. To me, <laughs> it's all about how big a lead they're playing with, you know, because they're – like we've been talking about – both the offense and defense feed off each other. Then the other thing is, is what is the schedule? What, How are they winning games coming out the gate? Because the difference between 28 touchdowns and 35 touchdowns might be how tightly close to the vest they got to play as a team to win games each week. If they come out the gates, you got the Packers, uh, Broncos, Redskins, Vikings, Raiders. You know, and if you really break that down, the Bears need to be 4-1 Four and one at least. I'm not gonna sit here and say they should be five and zero oh, because that's kind of unrealistic. But they 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 need to be looking at four and one of that stretch because you got after that the Saints, the Chargers, the Eagles, the Lions, but then the Rams, <laughs> you know, the Cowboys, the, you know, the the Packers, the Chiefs. You know, that, I, that's the that's our whole. That's gonna be where we're getting you know body blows. So it will behoove them to just come out the gate smoking this year, not like last year at three and three, and then they go on a run because they had their easy part of their schedule was at the middle. They got to come out the gates knocking because you know, when it gets to the middle, you have no idea how this is going to shake out against these good teams. And so, I mean, that plays a lot into Mitch's comfortability and what he's going to look like this year. Because at the end of the day, it's about making the playoffs. It's not about – proven everybody he's better than Patrick Mahomes. Matt Nagy doesn't care about that. He's trying right. to get the team a W. They're trying to get to club dub. These players don't care about their stats. They just care about one another. So I'm not worried about it, but you know, if we want to see this stellar year, they got to come out the gates four and one at the very least. Yep. If and with Matt's Mitch, not asking too much. <laughs> right. And with Mitch, like it's not just about, like I, I mentioned where players get drafted and I know you guys get annoyed with that sometimes, but it's also the makeup. It's also the, the, what he's bringing off the field uh, to the media, what he's his physical gifts like this. This kid has everything that says he should be great. Yep. So like I expect greatness. And uh, man, if we we've been waiting for the for the guy that 
to turn around this franchise at the quarterback position forever. And I just think we, we he has all those tools. It's exciting, I, man. Like, it's like what I need to see is what I need is they can't go out there and at crucial points in the game go three and out because that's the difference between good quarterbacks and bad quarterbacks. Good quarterbacks, they may not score a touchdown every single time, but they sure as hell don't go out there and go three and out when when they when they're not supposed to. You know what I mean? The defense, you know, uh, maybe gives up a long drive, then the other team scores a touchdown, and then you get the ball back, and then you go three and out. That's the ball game a lot of times. So what I need to see from Mitch is that he goes out there, and maybe they don't score, but they have a 40, 50, 60-yard drive. They eat up some clock. They give the defense some rest, and, you know, they they flip the field. I mean, that's the biggest thing, you know, and I I hope that Nagy – will find a comfort level with the with the play calling where because I think that there was some times where you could question what Nagy did a little bit because there were some weird things where they would go out and it would be like, okay, we gotta get a drive here. And they go out and it'd be like, what the fuck is Taekwon Mizell doing on the field? What did they just run? What the hell just happened? And then we're off the field all of a sudden. And it's like because I feel like until the end of the year, they still didn't know what their bread and butter was. And now I feel like they know what their bread and butter is. It's Allen Robinson. And, and I hope it's going to be these young running backs, you know, and then, and the offensive line will be cohesive. And so bingo, that's when go on the bingo on the running backs, Right. And, and that's what they never got into a comfort zone with Jordan Howard with, or Tariq. I mean, to be honest, I felt like all season, Tariq was running the wrong plays. Like he should have been running the inside runs that Jordan was getting and, and Jordan should have been doing the stretch plays and being out towards the sideline, you know, because, you know, but, but it was like flipped and, and, you know, they never got into a good rhythm and a play caller has to get into a good rhythm, you know, another thing well, the play do. caller does, but the quarterback has to be able to see things too. And, and audible out of those things. And that's going to happen. And I don't think he no. did it. And, and now you will never throw him under the bus and we'll never know about it. But I'm sure there were plenty of times where it was like, Jesus Christ, Mitch, I know I called this, but you should see that, you know, like, Maggie's only going to get better too. But that's because of personnel and Jordan Howard didn't fit that personnel. And when they go to a run design play with him and he's trying to, they say, Oh, the, the, the move is to check out of that. He can only do certain things route wise, catch wise that did now David Montgomery can do all of these things. And you look at what he with Matt Nagy did with Kareem Hunt in his rookie year yeah, I mean, that's going to be the, the maybe the thing that we're underlooking when we're talking about this offense and the receivers is that now he has a running back in the backfield where they can option to anything. The anything. defense's head is going to be spinning. It's just, and watch out how this offensive line plays. You've got James Daniels in his natural position. You're going to move Whitehair over to guard. You've got a healthy Kyle Long. Leno solid. Massey solid. You got and we've got running backs, decent. and you've got a Kareth White that is super fast. He's, I still, I've said this on the show a couple times, and I'm glad that you pointed him out. That kid can be a home run hitter. I, I mean, mean, look you at just, Tariq Hill. Where, the, where did he come from? Somebody right? tell me what round he was drafted in because I, I don't know personally. Right. 
I guess right. I could Google it. But, you know, it's all about speed kills. And mm-hmm. and in this offense, I mean, yeah, P- Patrick Mahomes, he's a great quarterback. But some of these touchdowns he's throwing, this dude is open by, like, 30 yards. Mm-hmm. We, didn't, we never had that kind of separation. And that has a lot to do with a defense trying to cover everyone and speed. So do you, I mean, you watch a defense when they come out in a two-back set and both back, both Montgomery and Tariq are in the backfield, and then all of a sudden they come out and they go into slot positions. Watch the defense freak the fuck out. Taylor Gabriel was Gabriel. open, though. <laughs> Gabriel was open a lot, man. Taylor Gabriel, yeah. but He no, was, and Al Robinson was open a lot, and Mitch didn't hit him. But I'm just saying, like, now – you really have guys, like you said, that are truly, truly, truly flexible where, you know, they don't know. All that pre-snap motion they did that was throwing defenses off. Now you got Tariq, David Montgomery, Cordero Patterson, Taylor Gabriel. He could have these guys going back and forth. I mean, good luck to you, defense. I mean, I just – my only hope is that, honestly, I just hope he doesn't go too crazy because, like – I really think sometimes him and Helfrich get like. Oh, they're bad scientists. There's no question. They threw to Bradley so well in a game where they had nothing cooking on offense. That that's why it's almost like Joe Madden too. Like, for me, you don't question it, man. He's crazy. He does things different, and that's what you need sometimes, you know. And you know, that's a Doug. He's gonna win you more games than he's gonna lose you. Yeah, that's a Doug Peterson mentality, and I respect Mm -hmm. it. And but that also means you don't get to Monday morning quarterback the things that don't go right. It's gonna happen. They're gonna they're gonna run some play. I mean, look at the playoffs last year. Didn't they have a two point conversion play they didn't get that was crucial? And they were running all sorts of stupidness Mm -hmm. in it. But you can't call it stupidness when it worked all year. You just It's it, you, you, you gotta, you gotta, well, and, and that's what Danny says. It's like, well, this is who we are. Like, we're not, this isn't like something we're just thinking about. This is who we are. And so, you know, but it does make you freaking stomach hurt. Round <laughs> table is just a thing of beauty. Yeah. I'm going to throw this around to you guys. What's the weakest position on this team right now? Besides kicker. Besides kicker. Tight end. Yep. Tight end. I was saying the same thing. And that's interesting because Trey Burton's solid. We just at how his season ended last year, we just it's just, it's just a question mark with that. Oh, I'm locked he'll up. Have his opportunity to answer it. We don't we don't know. Yeah, we just don't know with the he's very open about his anxiety stuff, and that's gonna be something we monitor. So now all the all fans are locked into these tight ends that are practice squad guys. You know, that might might bud, you know, and Adam Shaheen's got a lot of proving to do. So I would probably pick that position because that's an important position in a Nagy offense. Travis Kelsey yeah. is the feature guy for years with Matt Nagy. And we thought that's, you know, I mean, we're not saying that's who we thought we were getting when we got Trey Burton, but we need high production from that position for this offense to work. And, you know, Ben Broniker can get the job done and this, that, and the other, but – you know, we need we need Trey Burton to be somewhat of a game changer. We saw it early in the season a few times where he broke loose and you saw that speed, but you know, we need to see a lot more of it. I mean, there's only one ball, but you know, I just you know, he's the guy to keep your eye on, I would say. Yeah, they, they want a they want a real threat at tight end. They don't just want a guy who like is an outlet. You know, they they want a guy who really can be that Travis Kelsey U tight end, go down the go down the scene for forty yards type of thing. I would say 
that the uh, next one for me is probably slot corner, um, you know, because I don't really know if we know what screen's going to be. I mean, but I think slot corner was still a question mark with with um, the other right. guy. Yeah, Callahan with Bryce, because you didn't know if he was going to be hurt. But I want to see how Tolliver develops. I want to see what Duke Do we shows. still have McManus? We do. Sherrick okay. is still on the team. Yep, so, Sherrick yeah, is still on the team. trying him out at safety, right? Yeah, he moved position to safety. Yeah. Oh. Well, he's learning safety. I don't know if he's But really... he can play either position. But, but I honestly, like, I think what you're finding now is that the, the natural reaction to this, to modern offense, is that you really almost need safety, corners at safety. I mean, because you you need to be able to cover that many guys. I mean, you have you now have you know six guys going out and running patterns. <laughs> I mean, practically. So you you have to have linebackers who can cover. You have to have safeties who can cover. So so I you know honestly that that it, it, I don't know that this is necessarily their plan, but the way that it, you know that it worked out with Amos leaving and Haha coming in is is actually the natural progression of football because Amos is a throwback type of safety. You're not you don't really see these in the box you know uh, safeties so much anymore because it the offenses just don't run like that. You know so if you can't cover you know a slot receiver, you can't pick a guy up on the edge. When it when you need to you you can't you know you're gonna get burnt I mean at the end of the day so I, I'm interested to see how that shakes out and then also how the backup safety position shakes out because is Dion Bush gonna you know be a be a solid backup is DHC gonna you know be you know somebody who can be counted on because ultimately you know you you have to think about the depth and I think the depth is really good. At pretty much at linebacker. I think the depth is really good on the defensive line. I think um, maybe outside linebacker is a little bit thinner, but the depth at safety is one where I question, and the depth at slot corner, you know, uh, and then yeah, corner. Actually, the Windy City just did an article about um, Denmark possibly being used at safety, and that way you, uh, like, like Haha would be like the guy that just holds the spot down this year. Hopefully Denmark develops into that guy because he has the physical traits to really play that position like Amos did, but he also has the ball skills. He's a hard hitter. Like right. they, they, he's a big dude, man. Like if he could actually develop into a safety. Well, you're used to seeing so much in Chicago, a, a too deep, like a, you know, kind of a, um, the Lovey Smith, uh, you know, defense where everything, the, the whole goal was to keep everything in front of you. So you might give up 15 yards, but their, their feeling was if you, if, if you throw the ball in the middle of the field enough and we get the chance, we're going to knock you down. We're going to hit you. We're going to get the ball out. So they were like, make, almost, cause then they have to make the perfect throw every time, right. 12, exactly. 14 times to get to right. the field. So it's like, you know, it's almost like the bend, but don't break mentality. But I think, Nowadays, I don't know if you can really get away with that so much anymore. I mean, you don't well, really. It's a balancing see. act for any right. defensive coordinator, mm-hmm. and it's all about how fast the pass rush gets there. Sometimes right. a guy just misses the quarterback just by slipping or or a hold. David well, Bakhtiari, the Packers. The story of, how many times did we see Cleo Mack get hold, held last year? Like every play, you know? Well, and and Leonard Floyd, you know, was probably a, a total of six feet from having five sacks. You know, I mean, it, because he was, yeah. And and that's the thing is, it's like I want to see pressures. I want to see. That's what I want to see out of him. But but that's that'd be for me. Diddy, what do you think other than those? Anything else position wise? 
For me, it was tight end that that was already brought up. Uh, I, I was I, I think the uh, the Arkush boys there did. I listened to their pod and they they brought up a good point. Like Leno on an island, kind of worries me sometimes. Uh, you know, like but there's a lot of good there's a lot of good young talent back there too though. I think they could flourish. Trying to block the best player ever get on their defense every game, you know. Right. You know those guys get paid too. You know, yep. he's you know he ain't freaking you know some hog Jonathan Ogden or something. Oh no, he's solid, man. But I'm just saying, yeah. like, you always want that like that killer left tackle that's like that franchise left tackle. That's everybody wants one. They're impossible. Oh, They're yeah. hard to get. Oh, right? I know. I know. Yeah, I mean, everybody wants the. Eagles offense. I'm not. I'm not shitting on them. I'm just saying. There's times. But I. But I think that that's that Nagy's goal is to not ever really put Mitch in that situation. I mean, you're not gonna. You're not really gonna see a lot of seven-step drop. You know, like uh, he doesn't. You know, if if Leno has to protect for that long. You know, it's going to be a rare occasion. And that's the thing we were talking. You know, we're talking about you know sleepers at camp and you know positions that we're worried about with tight end. You know, this Jesper Horstead and uh, you know uh, Dak, uh, Dax Raymond. Mm-hmm. I, I just feel like one of these two are going to pop. You know, they both kind of have good vibes. You know, that's really early to be even saying those kind of things. You know, because we haven't even seen them at camp. But when you look at their resumes or their tape, and then you, you kind of look at what Nagy's trying to do in this offense, he's definitely sending a message to the tight end group, you know. And huh? these guys are going to come out there, and, you know, they like I said, their resumes, go look at it. That, that, yeah, Dax has the tape that everyone loves. And then Jesper is this, like, world-class athlete from Minnesota. And I'm just telling you, when I saw him at the softball game for Eddie Jackson's thing, he rocked like four home runs. He got big, big legs. His legs are like tree trunks, and he moves. He moved, and he also made well. Well, they played an extra inning for no reason, and the defense should have, or they would have won the game. But the final play of what they thought of the game was Jesper Horstead making a diving catch for no reason, like a crazy person with his career on the line, win <laughs> the game. And he yeah. catches it. It was an amazing catch. And he's doing this out here for fun. And you see the competitiveness there. And that kind of had my ears up. And he was just recently on with the bar room. And uh, you liked what you heard there. And then, like I said, this Dax Raymond's got the good tape. And I just feel like one of these guys, you know, you know, everybody gets, you know, we always get excited about our training camp guys, especially the ones we need to fit. But, you know, I just feel like these guys are going to have have uh, have the tight end group kind of watching their back this year. Yeah, but, I mean, you think you talk about that, but always. But I mean, really, let's look back at the 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 uh, the receiver groups of the past and. Tell me that there was anybody who was even making Alshon and Brandon Marshall think twice about anything. There never was. Now you got guys, I mean, you know, they're talking about uh, maybe Anthony Miller needs to be worried about, you know, uh, you know, uh, his his position uh, because of, you know, how some of these guys look. 
I mean, it's, but it's never it's, been this deep. It's no. never been like this. There's never been this kind of competition. And that's what I think is great about Pace and Nagy is they're not resting. They're not feeling like they did anything yet. They didn't do a damn thing yet. They're bringing in more guys and more guys. They're and, so cohesive with yeah. what talent to bring in to fit the system. They're, they're locked into that now here in year two. I mean, and you talk about that Dax guy, and you saw his like meet the rookies thing where he like lived in Siberia for a year and like. That's what I mean. Their resumes check yeah. out. And, and, that, and that's another yeah, pace has just been nails at bringing in quality human beings, you know, who come in and just fit. And that's the thing is like you know you you can't you know if if you come in and you're full of shit, Akeem Hicks is gonna see right through you right mm-hmm. away. You know, there's pace, pace is getting so good that like we didn't have our first pick was in the third round and we are hyped like he was a first round pick like we love all because he's fans love this draft. I mean, that's like you know Riley, Riley too, yeah. man. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, they're talking about Riley Ridley. Make that that Anthony Miller needs to be worried about Riley Ridley. That was a conversation was, that seriously he, had. And I don't know that that's is ridiculous, man. Right, and I don't know that that's wrong. That's just great. That's that's what's crazy to me, though, because Javon Wims flashed all of camp and preseason. He didn't get get a sniff last year and might not make the team this year, which is crazy to me. So that's why I, like, still have – like, I know people are talking so highly at Ridley, and he has the the, uh, lineage. So it's like that's why you're kind of lining the stars up. But it's like, dang, Javon Wims – how can you show out more than Javon Wims did in the camp and preseason – and he's going to jump Anthony Miller, who had seven touchdowns and was the superstar I mean, of camp last year. Yeah, just, I, didn't, I don't think he's actually going to – I thought it was a little bit of but, – but you never know. You never I know. Mean, this stuff's decided on the field. This stuff is decided and that, by that's, us talking about – you know, that, that they're going to work. So much speed on that side. I mean, so he's also, he's also a precise route runner, and that's what you need to be in this offense. Like, right. And, and I think that with – you look at furry – who is a who is a animal? I mean, this guy is a is a is a, a detail oriented, hyped up animal of a coach, and he does not take any shit. But what's cool about him is that he still lets them have fun. But you could tell that what they do on that practice field matters, and you know, and that's what I always said to people like, oh, Kevin White, Kevin White, Kevin White. I'm like, listen. Everybody who has any bit of talent and shows anything, whether they're Bradley Soul or anybody, is getting an opportunity, and Kevin White is addressing. What does that tell you about what Kevin White is putting on tape and Kevin White is putting on practice? So these guys are getting pushed, and they don't care what your name is. They don't care. You know, I mean, obviously, Alan Robinson got the big contract. They're not going to just throw him, you know, uh, out. But, but end of the day like there's real competition for these positions and i just think it's something that we've probably really never seen like this before you know where where guys are really having to fight for their jobs and it's only making this team better i just hope because i'm a cohesion guy that there's no surprise cut i you know not being a guy that knows anything about this kind of stuff but just like like a surprise cut like Taylor Gabriel. And I know that's a crazy thing to say. I don't yeah, I don't know. But like with money and stuff like and then the depth chart with young guys coming in, what they see, I don't want none of, I don't want to read those headlines because like I know how they all these guys get along. Yeah. And the cra- the Crave on LeBlanc cut last year came back to haunt us. Yeah. And I worry about, you know, I just like we were talking about the roster's set. I just hope right. they leave it. 
You know, I don't know anything about cap. I don't know about how they figure out these roster spots, but uh, so one thing I want to like keep my eye on is well, like, who, I, who's going to be the surprise yeah. cut? I right. Guess, well, and, I, and I think that if there is one knock on pace, he does tend to, as most GMs do, they tend to try to hope their guys work out. And I think he, I think they, they tried for too long to make Kevin White work out and they try and, and Shaheen may be the guy that they're trying too long with now, if you ask me. Um, you know, if he's he doesn't, the first candidate he's the one that I feel like could be the surprise cut because if he does not show something, there's a lot of guys that I would rather see what they can do because I just feel like we've seen like um, injuries, whatever. I mean, whatever happens, happens. You can't, you can't just blame it on injuries. I mean, you know, injuries are part of your football life. So, you know, they happen too. So, you know, I think at the end of the day, like the, he's the guy that I feel like has the most to prove. I think you talked about at the beginning and, and I feel like, you know, his spot is by far not guaranteed, but I also feel like pace is pace really likes to be right about these guys, you know? So mm-hmm. they just have so many now. That's right. why I was like joking with him about keeping eight wide receivers. Cause I don't want to see wins get cut. Cause I'm like excited about his future. So that's what you I don't mean. think like, you can stash him on a practice squad. I, no, I don't, but no. I don't know. I mean, I think, I think Emmanuel sure. Hall may get like an injury red shirt, uh, but, but you know, Marvin Hall supposedly has looked good so far, you know, honest. That's why I just get nervous. Cause I like Taylor Gabriel is one of my favorite wide receivers. Dude, his route running is crisp. He's a great t- 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 teacher to the other guys. He was a big part of that camp vibes, and the wide receiver group was in the corners going back and forth at each other. It was a big part of that. So I, I I could see them going with less tight ends and having more wide receivers. To be honest, this season, I wouldn't be surprised if that. That's happened. what I mean. Cause I want you don't know which one's gonna skyrocket. They, one of these guys could be like a superstar. That we're not talking about with Ridley or Wims or, you know, Emmanuel Hall or the Marvin Hall, whatever, the Hall brothers. And then, you know, my boy Gentry is a superstar. And we got all these guys. <laughs> I'm just messing. I'm messing. I, he's a good player. He's a good player. I don't care what I'll He's really heady. Anyway. Good locker hey, room guy. Hey, Nagy could have cut him. And if he, was, if he was a bad player, Nagy would have cut him. He's a good player. Anyway. So Sneaky I'm just athlete. Saying, just a comment real quick too like like you guys were saying getting rid of guys too early like so if pace does want to be a little stubborn and keep these guys while they cheat let them let give them a chance to ball out while they're you could see what at least their potential potentially you know what I mean? So like, if you can, you can be patient when you're not having to throw out a ton of money either. That's what I mean. But you also, you need these guys to develop. You cannot, t- as much as we talk about Taylor Gabriel being the sneaky cut, I got news for you. He's not, he's not getting a second contract and, and the raise that he probably wants. You need these rookies to develop and take, because they know that they have to pay Eddie Jackson, they have to pay Mitch, they have to, they're going to probably extend. But your seventh receiver also has to be a special teams guy. Right. You can't have seven guys that are all just skill and guys. Yeah. One so, guy's got to be so, a dirt. So somebody's got to, yeah, somebody's got to step up. And, and that's, I think, where we're going to miss your boy Bezo because uh, Bezo was making some some really good coverage plays 
Uh, yeah, we got Patterson though. Patterson, Patterson makes. Yeah, but how much of that? I, I don't know. Did Patterson do a lot of downing kicks and on and kick coverage? Because Bezo was on kick coverage. I'm not talking about returns. You know what I mean? And he had and back me up on this, Greg. How many big like downing of kicks in, inside the you know inside the twenty? Did, did yeah, they, more than yeah. a couple, and he'd always put it between his legs when he gets it, and yeah. it was the spark. I'm gonna mess. Well, we got that guy from the Jets too. That's supposedly. <laughs> Yeah, we did get the guy from the Jets. I can't remember his name, but the Jets had a. Uh, I don't know. I fucking hate Pro Football Focus, but but they talked about the Jets having a highly rated special teams and the guy that uh, that we got. I can't remember his name. But yeah, that's I what I mean. It's gonna be a numbers game when we I get to the damn roster in preseason. That's gonna be the most exciting thing to watch is the wide receiver. I can't quarterback wait. Quarterback bet. It's going to be amazing. I can't yeah. wait for week three. It just reminded me, my, my group is a special teams that needs to improve. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they did that. They did that by getting Cordero because that return killed us in the playoffs. They, you know, they, they put every return guy back. They finally put Tariq back on the final kick. It's just like they did not know what they were doing back then. Now they got Cordero, so they, you know. They can just go forward correctly, but man, Tabor should have been fired. I'm sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm really, you know, we've talked about the Indianapolis game being week three of the preseason. I'm really excited to see what happens, uh, and that's a preseason game. And I'm, I'm usually not like, eh, preseason whatever. But I feel like, and this, this is way calling a shot early, but I might call. I feel like. Us and Indianapolis are on a collision course again. In Miami, that would be wild. I, That'd be wild. That would I'm be just saying. Wild. Two up and coming defenses. Are you kidding me? If that happens, I will in Miami. Game, and when I, I will find Peyton Manning and I'll punch him right in his face on video. <laughs> why, that, why Peyton Manning? <laughs> well, you know he's going to be in the stands. The TVs, the cameras are going to be all over his ass. He's going to be so obnoxious. That's at one hour, 50 minutes of the call. So if we need to get back to that, we can pull that out. We're going to keep on reaction to, to the game. And, oh, God, that would be obnoxious. Oh, man. So what do you think, Craig? What do you, what I like you, it, though. Are you a predictions guy? Are you Are you a predictions guy? What do you want to do predictions? I mean, I'm not. You know, I, mean, I, I think the Bears are going to be great. You know, do I think they're going to win the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, they have as good a chance as any Bears team as we've ever had in our lives. But that takes so many different variables. You need health. You need luck. You need to be good. You need to win games early. You, you get like because they always say, oh, if you start 0-2, your percentages 0-3. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like there are so many things that go into winning in the. In the ball, it's just yeah. But the other thing, the other people people say about that, but how many wild card teams have have ended up in the Super Bowl recently? Right. You know what I mean? The Giants were a wild card team. It's such you know. a game of inches to sit there and try to be like, oh, they're def- they're gonna. Do-. It's just it's well, literally it's only- decided by a few plays. 
they they have every reason to win 10 to 12 games, and they should. They better, or I'm going to be pissed. And all of Bears <laughs> Twitter will kill each other probably or something. You know, it's like, <laughs> <laughs> today, please win the Super Bowl. If anybody was as smart about predicting things as they are about analyzing things after they happen, they wouldn't be in that business. They'd be in the business of betting it, and they're not. They're in the business of talking about it after it happens. So at the end of the day, as I said the other day on Twitter, nobody knows shit. Some people know Some people know a little bit. Some people think they know more than they know. There's so and, many things out of our control of predicting right. it to even right. – it's just silly. It's yeah. I mean, I could just say whatever. If ever in a vacuum, that's a different story. You know, nobody gets hurt. Turn the injuries off on Madden, and we see how it plays out. Yeah, then we can have a prediction that's worth its merits. But we don't know if who's going to be playing week three. Remember the one year the Bears started out hot, and every week, like their best player was out. Sometimes that's what happens. You you don't know how this is going to shake out. The only thing you can do is worry about yourself as a team, and that's what they're doing. They're fo- they're so confident that they're going to win every game, and that's what all you need as a right. as a team. And so they should. Do we know? We're gonna. That that's why football is so beautiful because we're gonna find out because it every game is gonna come down to the fourth quarter, and you need clutch players, and we've got them. And you know we're just gonna find out if they can. And you know sometimes when you. When you're the when you're the surprise team, you're right where you got got them. You you got them right where you want them, and you can you can come in and take them by storm because they they underestimated you. Then when you're the target, like you were talking about double A, it changes. But for some teams that didn't climb that whole ladder, it's about their mentality. Do they are they still so bloodthirsty to punch through that door, or are they satisfied? Well, what what does this vibe of this team give you? I mean, oh, hell yeah. you know, it's just, you know, right when you see it, you see Mitch yeah. talking about being great. You see Cleo Mack talking about being great. That's how I know. I'm not worried about who we play. I don't care who it is on our schedule. Bring them on. Bring on the Eagles again. Let's play them again in the playoffs. I'd love to. And, you know, back in the day as a Bears fan, you were like hoping to play certain teams because you knew you needed luck to win. We no longer worry about luck to win. Now we're just worried about bad luck beating us, you know, and that that's the culture changing. And maybe in a few years we're like Cub fans and we're freaking out about a team that's been to the playoffs four years in a row and has won a Super Bowl and we're bitching about circumstances. And that's where it all starts to change, you know. Right. Does, and we're yep. in the middle of that right now. And is this team going to just keep climbing that ladder? Now that depends on health. I mean, we saw it with Jay Cutler. They were climbing the ladder a couple times. And it was a blown knee and a hurt thumb on a pick six against the Chargers that ruined all that. God forbid anything like that happen to this team. We just need health. That's what the last year had. They were healthy. And that is probably the biggest variable of all the random variables that go into winning oh, yeah. that you need. And that's that's the thing I think we should all just be praying for every night. Right. Well, I, I, you know, I think what we love about you is that your 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 positivity is infectious and your vibe is infectious. And I think you know what we know as Bears fans and what we know at the Tailgate Show is that we've got a great team to watch. No matter what, we know that this season is going to be exciting. And that's what I hope that you know everybody. Everybody, if you don't follow Greg, you should follow Greg. He's oh, at G Braggs, G B R A G G S J R. Greg Braggs Jr. You should follow him on Twitter. If simply for the fact that 
I, and, and I honestly give you so much props for this of just being positive for the most part on Twitter and not getting dragged down by the negativity that can, can drag us down. And I think as a fan base, let's focus on the things that we have to enjoy about this team and not the, not the, not nitpick it, not pull it apart because even the most shitty and cranky ass old reporters are, are turning right now and are starting to believe. And, and if you don't think that this fan base can will this team to a Super Bowl, you just haven't been watching football very long because we absolutely can do it. And I think, you know, Greg, you know that, and 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 Greg believes, and and I think everybody else in you know on the, the tailgate show believes, and yep. you know it's just going to start at camp, and and it's it is about that. It's about what they're talking about, chasing great, you know, being you, unfinished business, all that kind of stuff. It's it's just you know, I mean, it's it's not to say that you don't know, you don't focus on what you need to get better about, but. You you know the the task is at hand, and I think you know these the Bears 100 really focused everybody in on that, and and it was a little bit of a crazy pep rally. But at the end of the day, like the the goal is so in focus right now, and you know it does it feels like the 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 off season has been just a blink of an eye, and and you know before you know it, we're gonna be back at the damn field again, and they're gonna be playing the Packers. Four weeks okay. till football. Yeah, three, it's three more Sundays of right. no football talk or being right. able to go watch them play. That's it. Right. Three more Sundays. I mean, you literally have three more weekends to go to the lake, go for a swim, go out on the beach, have a drink, because then after that, every weekend, you're going to be locked into football. <laughs> well, I do even said, and I don't know if you want to fully own this because you didn't fully own it, but you were like, I don't know if I even care about baseball this year. You didn't even finish well, the no. sentence. I said but summer, were... which is yeah. even more of a crazy thing for uh-huh. me. I was, I've been saying that to Jenny all, all and my wife all, all this last two months. I'm like, I could care less about this summer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Push through. I, I don't care. I, I'm like the biggest sw- – I love going and swimming. I love being in a pool or in the lake or on a boat. I love swimming. I love hanging out in the, in the water. And this year, I could care less about it. Get me in a training camp. This Ever since Cody Parkey's kick, it was like – you know, it's just like boom, yeah. slingshot skip, to this yeah. moment because everyone's looking to redeem it. And you heard yep. – you know, like like I said, like Thomas Jones and, and those guys from the 05 team, you heard in interviews on Barroom where they're talking about always uh, wanted to overcome that moment. That that they didn't want to uh, – Thomas Jones pointed out how he, he's like, I didn't want to feel that again. And that's what I feel with these guys. I just, okay. I just am certain that these guys are going to take that moment. And that's why I don't have as much a problem with Nagy showing it. I know it's a little weird to this far into it to still be playing up the 43 yards or the, the, the video of it. But at the same time, I feel like this team is going to take it the right way. And not, it's not, you know, I mean, we're, we're only going to find out when we get to that moment again. But, you know, I just, I just feel like that. Every team, we would have been lucky to win it last year. It would have been a taken by storm, and then you'd be talking crazy things like dynasties, like Cup fans were. But this is the normal way of things in sports. You climb the ladder, you get knocked down, and you come back up and win it again. And we've seen it in Chicago with all our teams, and the Bulls, the Cubs, the Blackhawks, all these teams had to have 
that first moment of failure before they came up and finally did it. Right. And they couldn't have had a more trivial moment. I just know in my heart they're going to take that as energy. We're going to find out week one because they couldn't play. They're playing the most heated rival, and it's at home. It's like, thank God, because I just I feel very good about that game. But we got to, you know, I want to see it. <laughs> you know, I don't, as, as far as predictions, I get scared sometimes about predicting things because I don't want to jinx it. Right. Honestly, because I'm very superstitious. So it's like, Sometimes a Mr. Positive, I'm like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to overshoot my my straws because I, I know the the football gods are listening. Well, and but I think your passion is is comes through, and and you talk about Nagy, and I think his passion comes through, and and what have the Bears had when they've won? They've had passionate head coaches, you know, George Hallis, Mike Ditka. Hopefully Matt Nagy, these type of people. I mean, and it's not to shit on Lovey or they sit, but but at the end of the day, football is emotion. Football is rah rah shit. Football is Rudy. Football is Newt Rockney. Football is win one for the Gipper. Football is is you know these guys like you know getting together and 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 fighting for their brothers and and doing something that they didn't think was possible you know and 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 that's so you know you could say it's corny or whatever or you don't want to but you got to i mean that's that's the kind of stuff that you bottle that Nagy is bottling that emotion and then you channel it and you take it out on somebody you I want think that lovey lovey inspired dudes too you just didn't see it uh, right, but you know what? He's more stone-faced on the sideline, but I think I think in this day and age, you gotta see it, and the fan base has to be has to be and it has to be behind you. And I think it works for a younger team too. Right, I think that helps. You know, you saw that with the Cubs, and you see kind of how it's wearing off now. You know, as they're getting they've had success and they're getting older. The, those tricks as a coach work with a young, hungry team, and that's what this team is. They're still extremely young. They're still extremely hungry, and you can you can take that and harness it. That's Pagano is good for that. You know, Nagy's good for that, and I'm not saying it'll wear off anytime soon, but it's just a fact of reality. When you start right. getting veterans, start getting older, those tricks of motivational college-type techniques work, but – they they kind of wear off after a while. It's they not can, gonna, but you got guys. It's not gonna be this year. But you got guys that are wired like that, though. Akeem Hicks is wired like that. It's you Trubisky know, uh, wired. Trubisky is wired like that. We're talking you know? about him being this like, uh, yeah. oh, he always says the PR thing. No, man, he believes this stuff. Yeah. This year, talks. his voice and the way he talks this he year compared to last year, it. he's you know, different. They say he's a walking, you know, uh, you know, just the uh, the company line. No man, he, he truly was for a while last year, but but once he once he came out in that Dicka sweater, everything was different, and he had a different swag about him. And at the end of the day, you know, like I just, you know, like I said, like uh, uh, that's that's why we want you on, you know, is because your passion comes through, and you know, and and we're yeah, anytime, you know, anytime, man. I, yeah. I also have fun chopping it up. I look forward to hanging again and mm-hmm. coming out to your bar for uh, game one of these game days. We'll have to have an early start, and mm-hmm. I know, <laughs> uh, no, Air Jar, I'm going to see you at the Colts game here yes, uh, for week three. I am excited about that. We, we both got tickets right by where the Bears tunnel is coming out so guys if you're listening and you go to camp just yell out for brags and you'll find him or look for the guy in the in the bucket hat and the tank top 
was, it, was film, it was filming very secretly. You're going to have like a no, I will not double <laughs> I play by the rules. I know. I'm just going to have that bucket, bucket, ha- bucket hat cam. Ready to go. I'm going to bucket hat. We're going to wrap it up. Um, and if anybody's got any last, uh, last little things to throw in, uh, feel free. But otherwise, I think awesome, awesome show. Uh, great talk. Anybody got anything else to add? Oh man, yeah, I appreciate you guys so much for having me on. Like I said, Double A, Diddy, Eric, Jerry, you guys are friends. We look forward to hanging out again here soon. I know a couple of us will be able to do Diddy. You're gonna have to move to Chicago or something. Oh no, man, I don't understand yeah, how. Last no, I did that one dude that put up that poll of, of where you're from, Bears fans. And, like the majority were from Illinois. It's like crazy. I know yeah. some of us are from Indiana, but it feels like we're from Illinois. But it's like. Holy moly, you guys need to all just move to Chicago. You, you're, you're missing out on all this action. I know, man. You know, it's like, man, it's funny. But yeah, man, I appreciate you guys' time. Anytime you guys want to come on, chop it up. Anytime. I, I'd be happy to do it. Awesome. I appreciate you, man. Uh, of course, we um, got to mention our sponsor, Tick Splits. Uh, go to TickSplits.com. Pick up any tickets you need. He's gonna. He already has all the uh, Bears tickets on there. Um, any concerts, anything you need, go to TickSplits.com. Use the promo code Tailgate, five percent off your order if you do that. So we thank uh, Michael Halitech and TickSplits for that. And then of course, uh, listen to our other show, Halitech Hall, where we have more of a focus on Bears history. Uh, pay attention there, Diddy. There's a show. There's another show that <laughs> talks about. Kick- hey, I've been learning a lot. I, I, I've been, I've been uh, getting school uh, by Michael and then, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, I work at 60. I worked 60 hours last week. I'm sorry I didn't hear every podcast. <laughs> you gotta get on it, man. Anyway, thanks, <laughs> thanks for, thanks for joining us. It's a great time and uh, just another episode of the Tailgate Show. Bears. 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 <laughs> <laughs>